0: Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, Winnipeg? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for another whiteout playoff edition here on WST. We've got uh, a lot happening today on the program. We're going to be hearing from the Winnipeg Jets, hearing from head coach Rick Bonus. And we're also going to be welcoming in Dave Poulin and Jeff Hamilton to the show to uh, break it all down. Epic game three didn't end up the way the Jets and their fans wanted it, but one that we won't remember, we won't forget for a long time. Uh, We got to forget about it tonight, or at least the players need to, as they get uh, another opportunity at the Vegas Golden Knights to try to even up the series at two apiece. Just before we bring in Michael Remus... A big shout out to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, The Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, and of course our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Michael Remus, how are you, my friend? Have you survived? Have you have you come back
1: from the ups and downs of that epic roller coaster on Saturday. Man, what a experience that was being in that game. Um, you know, so many emotions, you know, walking down and seeing the streets filled with Jets fans, the lineup uh, to get into the street party. Um, I I'll just, be right back. Oh, okay, you got a delivery? <laughs> uh pretty awesome. Oh, I'm sure you guys have noticed here as Hustler goes and has a special delivery he's got to attend to. Um, we do have, this is the debut show of the new WST studio. been working on this for a couple months and finally came together and, um, you know, wanted to have maybe some more buildup uh, for this, but we're it's finally here and I'm loving seeing all the comments. So I'm not going to be sitting on the floor on a couch with all my jerseys in the background Yeah, It's gone. Um, Hustlers condo uh, has been renovated. Um, so I'm happy to finally debut. Was glad to see the the res- positive response in chat. So if you are listening on the podcast, come check out the YouTube. Got a bit of a new look right now. As far as the game Saturday, I mean, um, walking around downtown, seeing the lineup for the street party, um, everyone dressed in white. Um, it was it was an incredible atmosphere, and you felt like it was going to be a big game. And being in the building, um, the warm-up, people in their seats fired up. Um, you know, just the countdown. They have it on the screen, like all the graphics for the whiteout in the arena. Um, you know, just gave you that feeling that this was different. And I, I joked, it's like when you're playing uh, EA Sports NHL and you're in playoff mode. And they just made the fans go more crazy. Um, the countdown to when they came out. Um, you almost had chills. Or you did have chills. Very emotional, that playoff hockey was back in Winnipeg it was that game three I know it didn't go the Jets way and we're gonna go through all of it but I mean what an absolutely uh incredible experience it was being there so
0: oh man it, it you know being there in the in the stands for the game on uh, uh the game on Saturday was I mean anyone that was there and hell the people that were outside as part of the street parties Uh, I think we'll remember that one for a long time. Um, Obviously, it ended in heartbreak for the Jets. But, I mean, that third period comeback, I think we learned a lot about this team. I mean, we knew that they uh, are a plucky bunch, to say the least. Um, They certainly did not quit. And and I do think, Remus, that there is a lot that they can take from game number three to help them push forward and try and even up this series tonight and, um, you know, maybe just maybe win three more games. As far as the atmosphere, though, as you mentioned, I mean, the entire downtown was, uh, I mean, that was just a real special day. I mean, it started early. People were there in the building very early. Uh, The atmosphere, the level of excitement was something that, you know, we hadn't seen around here for a long time. And I think everyone made the most of it. And certainly the Winnipeg Jets did. Although, I don't know about you. I'm not sure whether it was some semblance of stage fright or just a Vegas Golden Knights team that, you know, got a couple early and, you know, really felt like they had taken control of the series. Um, But, you know, Kyle Connor made it two to one. The second period, um, you know, the Jets were a step behind the Vegas Golden Knights for the better part of that 20 minutes. And, um, you know, you ended up going out to the intermission and the, uh, the, uh, the concourse at 4-1. And it seemed like it was a pretty, uh, a, it was a very uphill battle. That being said, uh, it was mentioned by a couple people. Let's remember when we were in the same spot a couple years back and the Jets were down 3 nothing against the Nashville Predators, albeit after the first period, not the second And they were able to battle back. And, I mean, what can you say about Nito Niederreiter? He continues to provide just incredible performances and value to the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, that goal early on in the third period that made it from 4-1 to 4-2, just two minutes in, absolutely changed everything. And you could see the Winnipeg Jets continue to push shift after shift. You get that power play marker from Mark Shifley. And what can we say about adam lowry remo i'm looking forward to asking dave uh, Poulin about lowry um he continues to raise his level of play uh the leadership that he brings is one thing but you know he is coming up with some of the most clutch plays goals right now for the winnipeg jets and he really is leading the way um so all in all a memorable day but A loss, and it's 2-1 for the Vegas Golden Knights going into tonight, and we're going to get into a few of the uh, lineup changes that are going to be happening tonight. But of course, Remus, the biggest story from a negative standpoint coming out of Saturday was the loss of Josh Morrissey, who uh, got hurt in his first shift, went back out, tried to give it a go left the game, was very quickly announced that he would not return, and unfortunately, very quickly after the game, Josh Morrissey ruled out for the rest of the series, and that is a massive, massive loss for the, for the Winnipeg Jets,
1: losing their top defenseman. Yeah, I mean, huge, absolutely huge loss, and full credit for the whole team and the defense for stepping up on Saturday afternoon. Neil Pionk playing 40 minutes uh, with three assists. Um, absolutely incredible, but yeah, you can replace Josh Morrissey. He's your top guy. It was the third uh, or second on the team in points this season. He's on the power play. Um, I mean, big, big loss. But you know, if you have any, you know, you look at what happened on Saturday in the third period and an overtime. I think you should be confident that this team is able to hang with Vegas. Uh, so, and they're going to do what they can. But a huge loss. And the question, you know, after the game on Saturday was. Who is it going to be? Who's going to step in here uh, for Josh Morrissey? And uh, Rick Bonus? kind of wouldn't say, but uh, Logan Stanley told Jeff Hamilton uh, that he was going to be in. We'll see if they do go with seven, but Logan, you know, it was either Stanley or Capbianco They said Saturday weren't looking to call up an ace, someone from the AHL, and throw him in playoff hockey. But Big Stan will be in. And last time we saw Big Stan, he scored two goals on Carey Price. I was going to
0: bring that up. Logan, you know what? They, they need offense. So, last time we saw Logan Stanley play in the playoffs, he scored two goals. He is, this is a, a little throwback to one of our sports trivia nights, but one of two Jets point, 2.0 defensemen to score two goals in a playoff game, Dustin Bufflin being the other. Um, and who knows how much we're going to see Logan Stanley tonight. I mean, I think that he will certainly be playing you know a third pairing role and you know depending on how the game's going I mean we'll see how much ice time that means but Neil Pionk stepped up in a big big way I mean I believe he assisted on all three of the third period goals played a ton and 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 you know what I'll say is about Pionk um, you know at least from an offensive performance the one thing that he is not shy to do is shoot the puck. And I think that if there's one thing that came out of the third period that the Jets, I think, really need to build on was their level of urgency and how many pucks they got to the net. And I don't know what the aftermath of that will be on Loren Brassois. I mean, he's a professional, he's been through, you know, he played a lot of hockey over the course of his career, albeit not in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But for the Jets to get to him the way they did with the game on the line, I think maybe so some seeds of doubt. Um, that being said, you didn't let any in in overtime, and not, that's what counts the most. But Peonk is going to be a catalyst from the blue line. I'm sure he'll play upwards of 25 minutes tonight. He'll take Josh Morrissey's spot on the power play. And... If he can lead a charge on maybe doing a little bit more to get more pucks to the net, uh, I think the Jets have been doing a pretty good job of getting in and around the blue paint and the greasy areas, much like Adam Lowry's time goal in the third period right now. So um, pretty clear what the Winnipeg Jets need to do. They need to you know, keep on pushing the way they did in that third period, do it for a full 60 minutes, um, and put themselves in a position where they're not coming back in a game, but dare I say, potentially starting off that way and playing with the lead because we know how powerful the energy of Canada Life Centre can be. There was so much of it, and credit to the fans for not really getting taken out of the game, even though the score was what it was last night. Um, but there's a lot on the line for a number of players to um, that are really going to be counted on to step up with the loss of Josh Morrissey, who's just been so important to this hockey club all season long.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I thought the crowd was just so, you know, raucous uh, to start the game. I mean, it was absolutely incredible feeling. Um, you know, being in that game, you're know, watching the comeback, reminded you of, uh, you know, past playoffs, most notably the game three as well against Nashville. But I thought Vegas really quieted it down, um, you know, getting on the board first and then second, but it picked up again with the Connor. The second period, um, you know, the Jets were outshot 15 3. It wasn't a great period, but. Third period uh, really came back to life, and you felt it after the rider goal. You felt it when they swapped lines, putting Nino Nita Nino Ryder on with um, Dubon Connor and Shay Fleet to center with Mesticov and Wheeler. I thought that really um, did create a bit of a spark, even if they didn't score in the second period. But it, it, you know, into the third, they played really well, and you're talking about stepping up. Um, like I don't think Connor Hellebuck has played. And, you know, that poorly, even though you look at the goals against and not it's not an ideal number, but um, he needs to outplay Lauren Brossois convincingly and he's going to have to step up and you know, put the team on his back like he has at times this year. The Jets want to try to extend this series to six or seven games. So a lot of guys going to be um, counted on tonight with the loss of Josh Morrissey. And I think Hellbuck is, you know, the first one that you look at saying, hey, we, we need this guy to be end of season uh, Connor Hellebuck, you know, against, like he was against Minnesota in that playoff clincher.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I got, not, it's not like Connor Hellebuck hasn't been good, um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, mixing in one more save, you know, really can be the difference between, you know, winning and losing right now. The, the 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 margin is so thin in these games between two evenly matched teams that it certainly does come down to that. And, you know, for him to get burned on that first shot and, and really, I mean, the first two shots uh, in the game not the way you write it up. Certainly that's not the way you'd hope that this will start tonight. And, uh, you know, Hellebuck can get on a, a a bit of a roll, much like his team can do. And listen, I think that this has got to be a full team effort. I mean, it can't be just relied on the goaltender to steal a win for you. But if the Winnipeg Jets can do that, I think they can really build on that momentum going into game five. But first things first. I mean, they got to put together their best game of the series right now under some adverse conditions, looking like, no Nikolai Ehlers, and no Josh Morrissey. Um, And one other interesting injury, Remo, and we don't really have many details on this, but it won't be Big Save Dave backing up Hellebuck. Not that that matters. I mean, if any of the Jet backups are in the game, it's probably a very, very bad scene for the home team. Um, But it's going to be Arvid Holm backing uh, backing up today after uh, uh, Big Save Dave not able to go.
1: Yeah, we really don't have um, much info on that, but... They announced that Arvid Holm was an emergency call-up and David Riddick won't be backing up. So you hope that, you know, if something is going where Arvid Holm is in the game, it's gone very wrong. So hopefully, uh, you know, Hellebuck can play the full 60, but on an emergency basis recalled from the Manitoba Moose. And or the Manitoba Moose have been sitting around here uh, for a while and will continue oh. to, to sit around as they wait for the playoffs. So, um, I mean, I we don't really know anything. They're not really saying anything. With injuries, Ehlers didn't skate, which you said, so you, know, you thought maybe he would go in, but when he's not on the ice for warm-up, you're like, okay, yeah, it's not not happening. And then um, Perfetti's still in the red non-contact and we're waiting for him, so that's kind of the Jets' situation. And Josh Morrissey, bonus said after Saturday's game, he's over the series. We're not talking about it anymore. And, I mean, just goes to hit White Cloud, their knees clank together, just real unfortunate and... Uh, he's out for the series, so I mean, yeah, it's and, all Yeah, the can fact do that he
0: was immediately ruled out for the game and then for the series lets you know that this is an injury of a more serious nature. Um, so they're going to have to get it done without their best defenseman. Um, one other roster move that uh, looks like it's going to happen tonight, Gus out, Axel in. So that fourth line will look uh, like Axel, Janssen, Fialby and uh, Saku and with Steny in the middle, Kevin Stenland. Uh, Of course, Adam Lowry leading the way with Morgan Barron and Mason Appleton. But we did see a shift in the lines for the first time in the playoffs, Reeman. It looks like this is going to be the way things are going to go tonight. Um, Nito Niederreiter moving up with Dubois and Connor, And Mark Scheifele moving into the middle back to his natural center position with Nemetsnikov
1: and Wheeler. Yeah, I thought this. I thought this looked great. Um, once they made the change on um, on Saturday, uh, they really kept the pressure on. I like having uh, Niederreiter and Dubois together. Two big bodies. Uh, Nino had a pretty strong game. Uh, he did score the goal, and, and you're putting Mark Shafley back in a center position. Played well with Nemestika, Wheeler, Wheeler too. So uh, you're going to need those big guys, um, Connor Dubois, Niederreiter to to score some goals. They're going to be counted on heavily. Uh, Mark Shafley you know he scored two as well so they need those guys to be their best players you know Vegas has got some big goals from Jack Eichel and Mark Stone uh, we need to see you know we had Dubois game in game one um, you know actually it's funny all these guys you know Connor and Rider all scored in game you know game three Shafley as well so uh, you're gonna need need them to put some pucks past Lauren so I'm testing a bit more uh, again, they had three shots in that second period, and they had a lot of time of possession. There was one point in the game where they showed on the screen at the game where it's like Jets have had 12 minutes of time on attack, and Vegas has had 10. But Vegas was uh, clearly beating the Jets in the shots, a lot of stuff on the perimeter, and also you know credit to Vegas too. I had no thought in that overtime; they tried so hard to get pucks on net, and Vegas is so good at blocking shots and getting in the lane. It was really noticeable there in the overtime. Really, really hard to get to get shots. So we're gonna have nightmares about. Uh, that shot off the post um, from Dubois. Also, oh. was it Dylan's point shot that hit the post and went along the goal well, line? And
0: that and that Dylan play. I mean, at that yeah. point, it's two one in the hockey game in the second period. And yeah. I mean, I was in that corner, basically behind Dylan, and that I, I still couldn't believe that it didn't end up in the net. Um, obviously, it hit the corner, uh, it hit the the post, and you know, another millimeter or two to the left. That's in the net. It didn't go in. Um, and then very shortly afterwards, the third goal went in. And, I mean, that was at a time where Vegas really sort of did take control. And your point about the perimeter is very uh, well taken. When the Vegas Golden Knights are playing their best, um, they might spend some more time in their own zone. But the puck is usually in and around the boards, and it's not getting into those dirty areas. And um, that is going to be the challenge for the Winnipeg Jets to uh, you know continue to get not only pucks into the middle, but also their players into the middle and uh, jumping on rebounds like they did late in the period with Adam Lowry making things happen. Now, after Shifley tied the game, one of the things that, I, I mean, you know, it's 4-3, and I, like many people, you know, sitting in the building are just trying to catch a breath. And I was waiting for that third TV timeout, ream. And I don't know, maybe it's because I spent some time doing game production before, but, I mean, I'm always keenly, paying attention to the 14 minute mark, the 10 minute mark, the six minute mark. And obviously they're not taking timeouts after icing. So we'll get to that interesting one in overtime uh, or goals. Um, But they also don't take them after two minutes left in the game. And, you know, while there were quite a few stoppages earlier on at that point, the jets just continued to push, but there wasn't any, um, you know, there wasn't any stoppages. And, I kind of was thinking that the Winnipeg Jets would love to have gotten a whistle, maybe call a timeout, rest some guys a little bit, but that didn't happen. But they ended up continuing to push and push. And um, I'll tell you what, I was in the building for the Dave Ellett goal back in 1990. um, And it is unfortunate that this game didn't end up with a win because I think Adam Lowry's tying goal would be thought of in that same annals of, you know, incredible jet playoff history. But, the roof almost came off that barn uh, when Adam Lowry scored that. And, um, you know, I I remember heading out into the, uh, into the concourse in the intermission, seeing people. And I mean, the, uh, the vibe there was unbelievable, but the, uh, the just the general level of, I think, shock and awe that the jets were able to come back was something that I'll remember. And I think they need to really build off what they were able to do in that third period. And, Know that they're not out of this, but also know that these games are not done until that final buzzer. We saw a great example of that on Saturday, and um, hopefully they can use some of that to push forward and uh, get the one extra goal that they need over Vegas tonight to tie this series at two and get it back to a best of three.
1: Yeah, just to be clear, you, you misspoke. You mean Shafley's uh, goal to bring them within within one there. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Y- yeah, yeah you're, le- you're,
0: leading up to the uh, Lowry tying goal. Yeah,
1: leading up to the... And I mean, you felt, I think in that third period, you felt that they had chances. um, They had pressure over and over again. And eventually a shot gets on net, and you have Adam Lowry in front, and it's amazing how good he's been after going 35 games without a goal. We talked about that. And it's since I think it was since the Edmonton series or since he had that big goal against Nashville, um, he's really stepped it up. And you can talk about what line he's on. Well, in game one, he played the most minutes... Of any and he showed you how important he is to this team. Big guy. He's built for playoffs. Um, Absolutely incredible. You know, a lot of people saying, again, I mentioned Nashville game three as far as uh, ovations, but you felt it coming. And the building was ready to explode in overtime with every chance. But um just the euphoria of that tying goal is, you know, just having the building that loud um, is why, you know, why you're here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, just an incredible feeling for anyone who was there, and you know, didn't get the result you wanted over time. But that that high, it doesn't get much higher than that in terms of um, Winnipeg Jets hockey moments or moments as a fan. You you saw the videos of the street party, people in the stands. I mean, it it was um, it was pretty incredible to see. Even if ultimately they lost the game, just when you talk about moments in in Jets history, that tying goal is for sure going to be up there.
0: Well, you know, it it will be for a singular moment. I mean, obviously, it takes some of the uh, the oomph of it away when you know the end score ended up being Vegas four, Winnipeg, uh, Vegas five, Winnipeg four in double overtime. Um, but again, I think the Winnipeg Jets can really build off that. I mean, much better to go out that way than you know an underwhelming third period and losing four one or five one. Um, this is a series and I know that it felt uh, it was heartbreaking for everyone that that was downtown on Saturday to walk away, knowing that the team had lost in that fashion. But at the same time, um, I think they proved a lot. We should talk about Dylan Sandberg for a minute. and we'll hear from Sandberg in a minute. He of course was the uh, last jet to touch the puck as he uh, tried to clear it up the boards, hit a skate, went right to the middle and uh, boom, done. Um, Sandberg has played so well for the Winnipeg Jets this season. I think especially in the postseason right now, there's a reason why he was out there despite not playing much in the second half of the third period when the team was chasing the game and trying to get the equalizing goal. Um, You know, unfortunately, there are plays that happen in a young player's career that they'll always remember and frankly learn from. But this is what happens in NHL playoff overtime. It can often be a bad bounce, a bad break, uh, a simple mistake. Not that this necessarily was one that ends up in the back of your net, and uh, no surprise that uh, that Dylan Sandberg's getting a ton of support from his team, and I imagine he'll get the same thing from the fans tonight when he comes out there because of what a great season he's had, how important he's been to the Winnipeg Jets, and he and the rest of the defense core are going to be leaned on even more tonight. Without Josh Morrissey, as we talked about, but uh, heartbreaker for Sandberg, who's been so good
1: to and you could really see he was wearing it after the game. Yeah, I mean, he puts his hands on his heads, and you kind of saw it happening. Brett Howden uh, coming at him after the drop pass, and you know, talk about the fans. They show Morgan Barron on screen in warmups, and everyone has given him a huge, uh, oh. you know, a huge cheer. I mean, that was pretty awesome. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a play. I think is, you know, I thought maybe he could have gone you know, more against the boards. But you look at the replay, he's trying to get it to the boards. Howden's there. And I mean, this bounce, Hus. like, I mean, what, nine times out of 10, it probably just bounces off his shin pad and comes back to him. And I'm trying to think, like, if I'm playing, I know I brought up uh, playing video games, but you play like EA Sports NHL and he bounces off the guy's shin pads right into the slot for a one time. You're like, oh, this game's rigged Rigged, and I'm throwing my (laughs) controller and breaking my TV. Um, It's just such a... I mean, he's played such a uh, a great series. Um, I mean, it's really tough play. I mean, again, Howden's forechecking. He tries to get it to the boards and bounces. I mean, right, right to the slot for a one timer. Like, I don't think you could recreate that if you tried. So, I mean, that was a tough break. The building went silent. Um, really tough. And I think, you know, he spoke yesterday, handled it just about as well as you could. Like, I don't think, I think, I don't think his role on the team. Changes. I mean, he's, although he's paired with, um, paired with Stanley right now on the third pair. They had Dylan, Pionk, Schmidt, uh, DeMello. So we'll see how that, how that goes throughout the game. But I mean, this is a, that's a tough one, tough one to take for a young guy. And he's played great this season. And, um, you know, we'll see how he rebounds tonight against Vegas. I will admit, we'll get into this
0: more with Hammer. I was a little surprised to hear Logan Stanley was the guy going in. And I guess maybe we shouldn't be considering the sort of hierarchy or the depth chart of the blue line, but I'll say this, um, you know, because of the player that Josh Morrissey is and what he does, I was kind of thinking that they might go with Kyle Capabianco. Now, apparently Bianco, uh, Capabianco might still be a possibility and they could go 11 and seven, but I think, you know, based on what we've seen in the morning skate, it's most likely that it'll be Sandberg and Stanley playing together. And those are two young defensemen without a ton of NHL experience. I wouldn't be surprised if he really leans on Dylan and Pionk and Schmidt and DeMello for the majority of the ice time tonight. But we're going to hear from Dylan Sandberg as well as Rick Bonus in a minute. And then later on in the program, have a little bit more from uh, earlier today. Just before we get to those clips of uh, more reaction and aftermath of game number three heading into tonight's game four. Got to give a big shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops, our newest sponsor here on Winnipeg Sports Talk with eight locations in Winnipeg. Uh, Two new locations as well. Pemina Highway right over by Bishop and uh, the University or on the east side of Winnipeg over on Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offers a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment online at modernmanbarber.com. And you can give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Summer is just around the corner, everyone, and make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that can suit you. And while you're thinking about that pool... Whole home renovations also start with Aquatech, with thousands of renos as their foundation. Let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options today at aqua-tech.ca. Well, gang, the good times just keep rolling here in Winnipeg, not only re-enjoying playoff whiteouts, but Manitoba Battery continues to celebrate their 10th birthday with great deals for all you folks getting ready for summer fun, and this time they're blowing out golf cart batteries for any of you that are ready to use your cart to enjoy our beautiful Manitoba courses. For those, uh, or for your own getaway when you're uh, out on the uh, the lot at the cottage, six volt golf batteries are now 167 bucks, and eight volt golf cart batteries are 177 bucks. And that's just the start. Those prices include free delivery anywhere within city limits. And when you return your cores to Manitoba Battery, you'll receive another $17.50 off what's already the lowest price in Manitoba for golf cart batteries. Get your batteries now so you can be ready for May Long Weekend and summer fun. The sale goes from today until May 6th. For more information, go to Manitobabattery.com or pop down and see him at 1026 Logan Avenue. And Big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Also, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. And of course, they've also got the Canadian Club and Ginger. Now available in 473 milliliter cans and at liquor marts and beer vendors. And we're counting down the days until we can enjoy a few cc and gingers at IG Field watching the blue and gold. Pick up Canadian Club at your local Manitoba liquor marts. Um, all right, let's get to more aftermath from Game 3 before we dive in with Dave Poulin and then focus more on Game 4 tonight. Um, Rick Bonus, uh, obviously proud of what his team was able to do to come back in the game, but disappointed in the end. Talked about the uh, the roller coaster that was Game 3.
2: That was, was a hell of a hockey game. You know, I... <laughs> Uh, the crowd was fantastic. Uh, you know, the guys laid it all out there on the line tonight. They played their hearts out. Very proud of the way we played. You know, we're down early, we get that. We fought back. We're down three going into the third we kept fighting. There's no there's no quitting this group.
0: No quitting this group, Remo, and that that I think was the real takeaway, at least um you know listen, you're disappointed that you don't win the game, but to be able to come back in that fashion, push it to double OT the way the Winnipeg Jets did. Um, you know, that has to inspire and instill even a greater sense of belief, I would imagine. Um, and honestly, make the team feel like they owe Vegas one when we dropped the puck tonight at eight 30.
1: Yeah. I think you might be doubting yourself a little when you're lose Josh Morrissey, when you don't have Nikolai Ehlers, but uh, they definitely didn't give up when they were down three goals and scored three unanswered in the third period. Um, I'm pretty incredible. I think you have to be, even though you're down 2 one, I think, you know, you know, within yourself that you can compete with Vegas, who was first place in the West conference. And they've definitely looked um, pretty good after dropping the first game. But I think if you're the jets, you know, again, you know what you're capable of, and you know, if you're in this situation down, however many goals, I think that was a big question here. We're saying, Hey, you know, Vegas has played so well with a lead this season. The jets kind of have struggled to score. but I mean, to be able to come up with three goals, um, I think, you know, says a lot and they're going to have to try and test uh, Lauren Brossois a bit more early uh, tonight for game four.
0: Now, you know, I was sitting up in 316. Shout out to everyone in that section. It was awesome to see so many folks and a few that hadn't been around for a while back in the uh, in the section. But, you know, like many people, I mean, you're so dialed in on just what's right in front of you and what's happening. It took a little while to realize that Josh Morrissey wasn't, you know, wasn't there. And what was going on? And um, I was with my pal Murray in my seats, and he just sort of groans and then shows me his phone. And that was when the Jets had put out, Josh Morrissey will not return to the game. And, I mean, that felt like such a massive loss, which it is. Um, But credit to all the other defensemen that really did step up. Neil Pionk at the top of that list. Um, Bones talked about this after the game, the loss of Josh Morrissey, but the rest of the defense corps playing with only five in the game, stepping up for what ended up being a uh, four and a half period game.
2: Well, that's, I mean, look, I just said that they played their hearts. So those five guys just did a phenomenal job for us. Our forwards did everything they could to help them. Um, but yeah, that's, was very unfortunate to lose Mo and he's got a lower body and he's done for the series. So we don't have to talk about that every day.
0: All right. So that was, um, that was bones and very clearly saying we can't be talking about this. We need to move forward, focusing on the guys that can play as, as heartbreaking as it is for, uh, Josh Morrissey, particularly not to be part of it. Rebo, just quickly get to four and then we'll go back to the other ones. Um, uh, this is bones. Uh, on losing Josh Morrissey and uh, they hit that makes to his club.
2: Well, yeah, you know, we've played all year long. A lot of injuries, every team does, and you have the next man up. It, he's listening. He's a top 5D in this league right now, and uh, he plays all important minutes, and he's a guy that drives the offense, so he's a big hole, but uh, we, we played the rest of the game without him. We scored four, and we're going to have to find a way to play the rest of the series without him because this series is far from over.
0: This series is far from over. Rick bonus on uh, the loss of Josh Morrissey. And um, this isn't just any player, Ream. Um, You know, he kind of mentioned how everybody stepped up uh, and the forwards helped out the defense as well. And that's going to need to be um, the standard beginning tonight with the drop of the puck. Um, and I think that, you know, a number of, you know, individuals are going to get a much bigger opportunity to show what they can do at this time. Um, and, you know, and it will be a team effort. Um, including the forwards to do what they can do to make up for the loss of Josh Morrissey, who has been, I mean, just such a catalyst in
1: so many ways for good things for the Winnipeg Jets this year. Yeah. just had a career year, what do you have? Seventy four points. I think so. I mean, you can't, you can't replace the guy, but you know, Neil Pionk uh, did his best yet, you know, Saturday playing 40 minutes, three assists. And we'll see who steps up uh, in this game, trying to fill those shoes. And, I'm assuming it'll be pianka on the power play um so i don't know everyone's got to i know it's cliche but everyone does have to bring it all extra to replace josh morse story 76 points in 78 games i mean that's that's a big one
0: what a season what a season by
1: the way uh, great to see
0: everyone's recovered from the weekend is with us today over 500 again live on youtube everyone fired up about this game tonight um hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already Uh, And uh, for those of you that just popped in a little late, yes, beautiful new studio put together by the CTO and uh, some of our friends. So this is our our new home on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But join us Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. Central, right here live on YouTube. And if you do want to get the audio version of the program, it's available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and press subscribe. Um, We talked about Dylan Sandberg and the heartbreak of um, you know, the uh, the miscue that ended up in the back of the net in double overtime. Um, Bones talked about Sandberg after game three and uh, his contributions and not moving past what happened.
2: I talked to him right after. I said, "Dylan, you're we're, we're, where we are because of you. You've helped us get here. He helped us get into double overtime. That's usually what happens. Uh, you get in those situations. A puck takes a bounce off a stick or a skate, and it goes to them. That's usually how the overtime games are are, are uh, ended. So, um, but I talked to him right away, and again, wow. he's a big part of why we're here, and we'll keep playing him.
0: Big game coming up from Slamberg tonight, I have a feeling. Here's one more from Bones. Adam Lowry has been, um, I want to say, a breakout star because we've known Adam Lowry and what he brings to the team for a long time. But this offense has not been around for a while, and it seemed like it was coming. He really started scoring at the end of the regular season after that miserable 35-game drought. And uh, he's as hot as anybody right now in the playoffs with four goals. Uh, Rick Bonus talked about uh, Lowry, where he's at, and if he's playing the best hockey that he's seen yet from number seventeen.
2: Yeah, it is the last, right? The last couple of weeks of the season, he puts his heart and soul into every shift, and, and it shows. Uh, he's a big, mean, physical guy out there. He's one tough guy to play against. He does so many little things to help this team wins so that uh, he's invaluable to this team.
0: Speaking of Adam Lowry, who uh, you know continues to star for the Winnipeg Jets in a, a 200-foot role, but has provided some big-time offense so far in this series, um, Lowry expanded on the ups and downs of Game Three and moving forward into Game Four.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously we were excited. And I think maybe a little too ramped up, and you know, just feeding off the home crowd a little bit, and yeah. You get behind two two nothing early in the game, but you know Casey scores a big goal for us, and we liked where we, we started to to get to near the end of the first, and you know the second period, I think it was again uh, just managing pucks, a transition game. You know we were just working as sharp as we needed to be, and you, you fall down four um, one, know, against a great team. You, you think you know maybe, maybe that's this game, but you, you want to build some momentum for for game four. You know, not that we're throwing in the towel. We, we talked in the intermission. We got a lot of belief. We've come back 4-1 before and won a game in overtime against the Oilers. So, it, you know, it was there. I think when Nino scored early, it, you know, it gave us, you know, some momentum. It got the building kind of rocking again. They, rightfully so. The, the wind had kind of gotten taken out of their sails, you know, with their lackluster second. But um, Shea scores a huge power play goal, and you know, anything can kind of happen within that out, so you know we felt really good, kind of going into overtime, and we got a big kill at uh, you know the start of the first one. We had some good chances. Uh, you know, I think anytime you get to overtime like that, you know, bounces happen, and uh, you know, unfortunately it went their way. But I think you know, we've got a lot of belief in this group. I think you know, there's not any quit and. And we believe that, you know, we'll be able to to come back strong and, you know, play well in game four and give ourselves a a great chance to win that game.
0: All right. And extended. uh, That was a bit of a trip to the buffet for Adam Lowry, but I thought he uh, very accurately reamed, described, um, you know, many aspects of that game. But, um, you know, there's a lot that I think the team can build off of. They can feel good about themselves. They're not happy with the way that it ended. Um, but that can only galvanize you hope that can only galvanize the team knowing that they are absolutely right in this series and you know with the strong performance tonight you know you end up uh, cutting it down to a best of three
1: yeah i i mean there's I think you're still in it it's two one you know i know their their home ice since the jets 2.0 returned um hasn't been the best in the playoffs however uh, you felt that crowd there on Saturday and I think it's going to be an impact tonight, and you know they came out of the gate like these guys, both teams, trying to absolutely kill each other. I mean, the hitting in this game, and I'm curious if we're going to see the same level of physical play with this short turnaround. You know, already the fourth game, like I don't know if the whoever's tracking hits in the series like is just hitting it nonstop. Like the numbers have been off the charts, and um, we'll see if they bring it here off the start. But you know, hearing from the Jets, it seems like they know that. Um, They're capable of winning a game here, you know, one game at a time. Starting with Game Four tonight against Vegas. Uh, Lowry, after the game,
0: uh, also talked about um, you know Dylan Sandberg, who was wearing it right after the goal went in for Vegas to uh, silence the crowd. Um, Here's Adam Lowry on uh, the young defenseman.
3: Listen, you know, uh, you're put in a position, big minutes. You know, you're a big time player. I think. That's the thing. You, you know, you're out there in overtime for a reason. He plays huge minutes on the PK. He's, he's done a great job, you know, all year. And it's a bad bounce. He was making the right read. So, um, you know, you feel for a guy. You never want to see a guy kind of upset or, or blame himself. But you know, that's not how we feel. I don't think you know, anyone would ever kind of feel that way. You know, it, uh, everyone's working out there. Everyone's you know trying to achieve the same goal. And you know, it, it sucks to see him. Kind of feel that emotion, you know. It's you just want to support him as a teammate, and you know, you just you know you can feel it for a little bit, and then you know we we try and move on. We're we're getting ready for Game Four now. You know that one's in the past, and it sucks, but uh, you know we're going to need him for Game Four, and that's what we told him.
0: All right, there's Adam Lowry, who uh, was the hero at the end of the third period, tying the game up. And I'll be honest, even with the loss, I still and I've had this a number of times since Saturday just get chills thinking about that puck going in and the euphoria in the building. Now didn't end up the way any of us wanted, um, but it was still an incredible moment. And Larry just talked about scoring that tying goal um, to complete the comeback and get that one to overtime.
3: I was pretty fired up. I think, you know, to kind of enter the third where we were at and, you know, to get it to, you know, get the building rocking and have a chance to win overtime. You know, I, It's pretty big, high emotionally. So um, it was nice to get the building back, tie the game up for the guys. And it was too bad uh, we we couldn't finish it off.
0: All right. So there's Adam Lowry who continues to lead the way for the Winnipeg Jets in a number of departments. Um, But let's hear from Dylan Sandberg. And, you know, you just, uh, I mean, it was agonizing, you know, seeing that red light go on, seeing the way that play broke down. And, and seeing the reaction of Sandberg with his hands on his head afterwards, realizing what had happened. Um, Dylan Sandberg did credit to him speak uh, and uh, just talked about the play that ended up, unfortunately, um, leading to the winning goal for the Vegas Golden Knights.
4: Uh, DeMello made a good bump play in me in the corner and tried to make a play up the wall as an indirect and didn't work out, bad balance. How about the way your teammates consoled you afterward? I mean, what does that say about your group? Yeah, they've all been great. You know, uh, everyone's came up to me and said that stuff like this is going to happen. You know, um, it's going to make you better for it. Uh, it's obviously unfortunate in, in the time, but, uh, you know, just just pick your head up and move on to the next game. That's why it's a seven-game series.
0: All right, so there's Dylan Sandberg <clears throat> along with his uh Hermantown product, uh, friend Neil Pionk, who had such a big game for the Winnipeg Jets in that comeback. Um, but Rick Bone has talked about talking to Ad, uh, Dylan Sandberg, uh, you know, afterwards. And, and, and make no mistake about it, this young man is a big part of the reason why the Winnipeg Jets are where they are right now. And, um, Sandberg talked about Bones calling him after the game.
4: It means a lot. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, shows that everyone in the room cares and, um, I feel like uh, everyone's been through a moment like this in their career, and it's just uh, it's part of the process. And you know, it's just a bump in the road you got to get over. Yeah,
5: it's literally one play of hundreds throughout the game, and you know, we end up talking about it just because people are interested in, in those kind of things. I'm wondering, you personally, obviously, you're not feeling great about about the play, but it, do you see it as something that you know hardens you, or something as you mentioned, everyone's kind of go through? It? Do you see the uh, this could be a positive moving forward, and just you know, going through something like this in your pro career?
4: Yeah. Um, I don't think it could get could get any worse than it is right now, but uh, I think uh, you know this will this will de- definitely test my adversity, and um, I'm just looking forward to Game Four now.
0: Oh man, you can just feel the feel the agony. It's almost like reliving it uh, again. But um, you know what a what a great young player Dylan Sandberg is, and you know as I mentioned off the top of the show, there's a long list of NHL defensemen that have had great careers that have had something like that happen to them early on um, and it can only make you better here's just one more quick clip from uh, Dylan Sandberg just on the emotions coming out of uh, the double OT loss
4: well it is what it is you know it's uh, it's the game and that's why we play it but uh, I don't know it's obviously not something that I I wanted to happen or wanted to happen but uh, you know it just is what it is and trying to forget about it right now
0: all right, so there's Slamberg. Watch, look for a big game from 54 tonight after um, you know a big game for himself personally and obviously an unfortunate way uh, Game 3 ended from a Jets perspective. But uh, just getting started in this series. 2-1 for Vegas heading into tonight's Game 4. Dave Poulin's coming up in just a sec. Um, before we do that, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries in Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too, Get on down and see our friends at one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. Have you had your healthy fats today? Omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health. That's where Health First Omega Supreme comes in. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one-a-day soft gel. Health First Omega Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations including the newest store in Linden Ridge, empowering people to lead healthy lives. You can also get Vita Health online and order with local delivery at myvita.ca. Well, spring is pretty much here, and Wallace & Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, Give them a buzz. They've got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And gang, if it's time to replace your garage door, they are all. They also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 204-452-2700 is the number. The Wallace & Wallace team can arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online and find out more at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road just off of Keniston. Uh, there was a lot of good-looking folks at the game on Saturday, all done up in white. It was great to meet Alex Ethan's over from F Apparel, great sponsor of ours. He a a nice white blazer, white pants. I mean, who if you're F Apparel, of course you're going to come with a beautiful white suit. Um, guys, if you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, Do it at F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at $400 along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties and a free custom shirt and tie for 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown, or you can make an appointment and find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, Apparel. Com. I'll tell you what Nick and Nicky DQ probably won't be open after tonight's game but uh, let's make a point of uh, a victory blizzard hopefully tomorrow some point as the uh, Jets and Vegas Golden Knights head back to Sin City for game number five Nick and Nicky of course have four DQ locations with great new summer blizzard flavors available now pop by and see him at the DQ in Northgate DQ Polar Park DQ St. Anne's and DQ Neverville And uh, if you need a DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an upcoming party, maybe a watch party, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. I'll get it ready for you for a quick and easy pickup, however you like it, any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, Jeff Hamilton coming up in a few minutes. But right now, let's get Dave Poulin's thoughts on the Jets Vegas series and everything else happening around the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I, I'm still exhausted. Uh, how about that roller coaster of a game on Saturday here in the Peg?
6: I love the fact that you're still exhausted. Oh. You do know these two teams have to play again tonight, right? You need You're aware of that, like, oh, eight thirty p.m. We'll be there. And, and, and it's
0: funny. I mean, I was speaking with fans yesterday, and I mean, I think everyone had this collective uh burden after the game, which you know the highs and lows are are are, are so um are so extreme. But, I mean, I was saying to the fans, we got to get back on the horse and give her tomorrow night. I can't imagine what it's like to be a player in one of these series, to to have a comeback like that, and then to fall short in a a really unfortunate fashion with the way Game 3 ended.
6: You're explaining why it's so hard to win in the playoffs, and why veterans who've been there before, you know, just flat out do better in critical moments they're just used to it it's almost one of two ways it's almost like so new and naive to it or a jaded veteran but somewhere in between just you know literally on saturday the emotional roller coaster of that game as i'm watching that i don't ride the roller coaster now i just sort of watch it but i did ride it for a long time as a player i wrote it as a manager it is just incredible And I think the management of those emotions is as much a part of it in the playoffs as anything. And the high of that third period, just so magnificent, the low in the first intermission of realizing that your best defenseman probably isn't going to be joining you and for the rest of it, sort of the flatness of the second period might be attributed a little bit to that. And then the realization going into the third that no way, we're not going to have Josh Morrissey, but we're going to figure out how to do this. Nino Niederreiter gets a go and the power play comes through with a big one. Then Adam Lowry, who's just been a monster in every way in these playoffs so far, comes through with the big tying and goal. And to me, it was just a matter of time before you figure out a way to win that game. But that doesn't happen. It's an unfortunate bounce. And nobody feels worse than Dylan Sandberg about it. But you bounce back in the next game. That's the beauty of it is The time between games, Andrew, as much as you go through the emotions within a game, the management of the time between games for a player, for a coach, for a manager is incredibly important in the playoffs. So
0: fill us in. I mean, take us behind the scenes, Dave. What do you think's happening with, for instance, the Winnipeg Jets yesterday on the off day to, number one, try and rest recuperate and get ready to bring your best, but also to handle um, the mental hangover, if you will, of a thrilling comeback, but one that unfortunately ends up in the loss column in a best
6: of seven. So personally, I tried to rid myself of that post-game. Like I would stay up post-game late. I just did um, when I played. And and I would try and rid myself of those thoughts post-game. So if I'm a Winnipeg Jam right now, all I can think about is how well we played in the third period, how much momentum we've got. And, and we're carrying that into game four. The bounce in overtime dismiss it it happens Um, that's all it was it was a bad bounce but the way the team played the way each individual played the drive the push all of that it's how you feel and Bobby McKenzie when I first joined TSN and I heard him say on air you know there's no momentum in the playoffs and I thought well I don't get it like I, I think there is momentum maybe from a team standpoint there isn't But from an individual standpoint and how you're playing, I believe there is. And you want guys feeling good about themselves, feeling strong the way they played, feeling confident, and that's the way the Jets have to go in, the confidence of the third period, and and, and chances to win that game, reflect on that and go and find a way to win game four. You know, Pooley, you mentioned Adam Lowry,
0: and I mean, just before we get to game four and what we're going to see tonight and Rick Bonus's challenges going up against uh, a Vegas team that'll smell blood in the water, uh, I mean, we've seen Adam Lowry over the years and know that at times he can be an absolutely dominant two-way player. I'm not sure we've ever seen him be as dangerous offensively, which is somewhat ironic because we spent a long time talking about him going 30-plus games without scoring this year, but um, You know, you've been a fan of his. You mentioned him before with what he can do for a hockey club. But is this the best you've ever seen Adam Lowry play?
6: I think it is. It's the most confidence. It's the most leadership. It's the most, I want to be out in the ice right now, the last minute being part of it. I, I have believed for a few years now that Adam Lowry's a 20-goal scorer. I just him. I still think he's going to score 20 in the National Hockey League. And sometimes there's a deferral because of your role. And, and maybe even for the short period of time you plug Nino in on his left wing, I guarantee you Nino rider. doesn't think he's a third-line player. And I don't care what you call me, but that line didn't play like a third line. And so Nino's telling him, you know, we used to laugh about it. We're the first line. We'd say, we're the first line. I don't care what they call us. Super Dave Reed and I played together in Boston. We used to call ourselves the first line. We used to push our way to the front of the line in, in drills, pretending we are the first line. That Oates, who's that? We're the first line, and so <laughs> that's what, that's what I think with Adam Lowry should be doing right now. Buttoning in in front of Pierre two bar in front of Nebraska wherever they're calling the number one and two centers, but that's the way he's playing, and that's the most important thing. And I think you know you grow into leadership, and that locker room's been through a lot. It's been through a lot of phases, but you can see the leadership, and and sometimes that happens easier than another time. Sometimes it's age related. Sometimes it's experience related. I think with Adam Lowry, it's a little bit of each and there's still a confidence there when you've been typecast as a third line player and not as one who's relied on or leaned on to score. There's an escapism is that, and that you can't let there be, you have to think that you're going to be the guy that gets it done.
0: Now, uh, Adam Lowry will be there leading the way tonight. I'm sure, uh, Josh Morrissey won't, um, goes without saying how important he's been to the Winnipeg Jets all season long. Uh, they can't dwell on that. They need to move forward. Um, but what needs to happen in the absence of Josh Morrissey to uh, keep this thing going in the right direction and try and even this series, going back to Vegas?
6: Well, everybody's got a little bit more on their plate. I mean, what did peon play 41-plus minutes the other night? DeMello was right there. Um, Nate Schmidt maybe a little bit more. You know, you think of that. Think of the left shot on that side, maybe a little bit more and maybe a little bit more at both ends of the ring from Nate Schmidt. But overall, it's by group. There's no question. I think it's still undetermined as who's going in, um, unless you know that now. And, I, you know, so whoever goes in, it's going to have to be by group. But if I'm the forwards, I grab the forwards as well, and I say, look, you know, we got a key guy out back there. We can make their job easier. You, you know, work a little bit harder, a little bit deeper. Make the out outlet pass, that first pass, just a little bit easier for every guy that has the pot. So I think it's on this whole group to make up for the loss of a star player.
0: Well, it it sounds like it's Logan Stanley that's going in, and Logan hasn't played in the better part of a month or so, Dave. Um, What's it like for a young player that has been pining to get in, that has been on the outside looking in for a playoffs, all of a sudden to be thrust into the lineup. Um, I'd imagine that there's a lot of energy that comes with it, but um, at the end of the day, these games often are made or are won and lost on mistakes, and I'd imagine um, just keeping it simple um, and being confident will be the most important for
6: Logan. You're exactly right, but this, we're not talking about a first-year rookie either. He's played a lot of games, and he's played in big games for the Jets in the past, and he's been a force physically. And so I would look to my strengths, Um, Look to eliminate, look to stop the cycle in the defensive end, and don't complicate it all with the puck on your stick. I mean, it's first touch, it's walling out, um, it's looking up the wall, looking. And you know what? Talk to your left wingers and say, gentlemen, when I get the puck, it's coming up the wall. It's up to you from that point forward. So I think those are all conversations. And Stanley's not, you know, he's not a, he's played a lot of games in the NHL. So you're not talking about a kid who's never played, who's just in from college or just in from junior. I think he'll be fine back there. Dave, what do you think the message to uh, from Rick Bonus to his club
0: yesterday was after the game on the off day? And um, what will Bones be saying to the guys uh, before this late one tonight?
6: We're going to win the series. You know, I've played in series where I've lost the first game and after the game said, we're winning the series. I mean, you just feel like that. That's the way you've got to feel. You know, as much as they've got an experienced group on the side, some of their key people aren't. Jack Eichel's only played, what, he played three Playoff games in his end-show career, you, know, you get a lot of guys that have been to battle with that group. And, but I think it's simplified, and I think it's do your own job. It's don't try and do everybody's job. Um, but from Rick Bones' standpoint, he's telling the group, "We're good enough to win this series. We've got a better goaltender. Uh, you know, we can play with the Golden Knights. We know that. We've played with them. We just have to play with them through the entire game and at the right times during the game."
0: Is there something that Winnipeg? I mean. It's always about scoring goals and we're focusing out on the third period and what they are able to do. But from a defensive standpoint, um, is there something the Winnipeg Jets could benefit from doing better in game four than you've noticed in the first three?
6: Yeah, I don't think it's one thing, Andrew. I really don't. And I look more to the offense and I'd look at getting more pucks to the net. And I think that's something that you can always do. I mean, let the other goaltender make a mistake. It does not have to be a perfect shot. And in this league right now, we're watching crazy goals go in every night and not expected goals. I mean, Zach Hyman's winner was in the middle of the net last night, and he wasn't posting in. And so you look at the way the goals are scored, they're scored with traffic. Um, even the winning goal in Toronto in overtime is a wrist shot from the blue line. It just finds a perfect route in. So rather than try to be perfect on offense, I'd switch away from your defensive thoughts more to the offensive end and say, let's get. Every single opportunity to the net, knowing, so if someone, if my last winner has the puck, I know the puck's going to the net, that's where I'm going. I'm going to meet it there. Well, Dave, speaking of overtime, we know we had the ups and
0: uh, the lows of the OT here in Winnipeg. The other two Canadian teams worked OT and that uh, had some nice results. How about those comebacks by both the Leafs and the Oilers? And what does that do to those teams heading into their next game in this best of seven?
6: We'll start out west last night, you know, down 3 nothing early in the game, and then the roll of the dice by far is putting Jack Campbell in the net. And maybe Jack Campbell's better suited when he doesn't know he's going than the Andrew, when he yes. asks over and say, take the baseball hat off and go in. And, you know, I had a goalie in college, and obviously college being very different, but couldn't start games. Um, mentally, just couldn't start games. He went to him halfway through and said, you're going in. He was an all-star. And we tried everything in the world. We tried not telling them before the game. We tried telling them after the national anthem. We tried everything we possibly could. Uh, but I think Jack Campbell—that was the key move last night—was bringing him in, and then Leon Dreisaitl. As much as as much as you look to your bigs, it's a great example in the balance between your bigs and getting support from supporting cast. And so your bigs were good. Um, dry Saddle's been a monster. Conor McDavid's Conor McDavid. But who are your tying and winning goals from? Both, you know, from outside of your superstars, um, Vander Kane and, and Zach Hyman. And, and that's what you need. That's the kind of balance you need. Even when you have the two best players, arguably in the playoffs right now, or Dry settle, maybe has been the best player in the playoffs right now, you need depth and scoring from everybody. You need the chip in. You need. That key goal, they got it from Hyman last night. And then on the other end in Toronto, you know, there's so much talk about Ryan O'Reilly. Well, Ryan O'Reilly, Andrew, hasn't changed the DNA of the core. He hasn't, you know, he scored a big goal late in the game and he won a face-off in overtime. But he hasn't changed the group. They were terrible in the second period. And they played awful. And Samsonoff saved the game for them in the second period. So I don't think either series was one in game, game three or game four, respectively, game four and game three, respectively. But, you know, you need the efforts across the board. And they feel in O'Reilly, they got something they didn't have, and they're correct in that they don't win that game last year in the same manner. But that doesn't mean they win the series either if the other guys don't play.
0: Dave, is it just me or does it seem like if it's possible, there's a lot more bite to these playoffs early on? I mean, it seems like there's been more scrums, more fights, more... I mean, hell, I started off watching the Dallas-Minnesota series and that game one was about as dirty and a violent game as we've seen in a long time. Um, This looks nothing like the regular season and we should expect that, but I'm not sure whether it's just
6: how close the matchups are, whether these teams really don't like each other, but are you noticing that too? I think I absolutely am. I think it's how close the matchups are. I think you're your nail right on the head right there um, is that both teams feel they can win. And you're willing to do in a short period of time, you, you understand how you can accelerate your season to a whole different level, even with a first series win. And, and then you're down to, you're, you're so quickly down to eight teams I think the first round is the single hardest round to play in. And I've played a lot of playoff rounds. I went to the final four six times and the finals three times. I mean, I played a lot of playoff hockey. The first hard, the first round is the hardest. No matter who we were playing, we'd be playing teams Andrew 40 points behind us in the standings, 30 points behind us in the standings. And we go into that first round and they thought they could atone for mediocre regular season play in a two week period you know, they could save all of the, the disappointment of maybe a, a down year in in literally in 10 days to two weeks. And so that's why you get guys that are willing to do things that I, that they, they're not willing or they're not capable of doing over a long period of time. They know they can do it in a short period of time and they dial it up, but it has been physical. It has been nicely physical. Um, by the way, the referees, and I'll say this, have taken too much heat. They haven't been at their best but we'll take you back over the years i can find refereeing, you know arguments and they're normally coming from the losing team and you know are there going to be missed calls yes Are they going to be bad calls yes but this is on the players to play and play within the scope of the game and, and don't let the referees be a factor
0: I mean listen it's it, this happens every year the stakes are so much higher the uh there's so many more eyeballs on what's happening and to be honest every call every play is so much more important and um that's why you have these sort of reactions but I am I am with you hey speaking of teams playing teams 40 points below them um your old team the Boston Bruins had this legendary regular season and all of a sudden gave up one at home um to do it without the guys that they have in the lineup to get those two road wins. I mean, just your thoughts on the way the Bruins look right now and how big of a benefit would it be to Boston if they can finish this series off in five, considering what we expect to happen, whoever comes out of this Tampa-Toronto series.
6: Yes, it'll be huge for them, and I do think they finish it in five. Uh, I think that to do it in Florida without, Bergeron and Krejci speaks to how good that team is, Andrew. And I was in twice late in the year with once with Ottawa and once with Montreal and saw that team firsthand and actually elevated my thoughts on them in watching them live on how detailed they were, how tight they were. And I'm just saying, I'm not talking with the locker room, I'm talking about tight on the ice and how the components that they'd added, you know, measured up. And then you're bringing a heart winner back in that you're playing on the third line. So Let's be truthful. You lose Krejci and and Bergeron. Oh, you have to elevate the role of Taylor Hart, who's a who's a Hart Trophy winner. Or Taylor Hall, rather, who's a Hart Trophy winner. So we can't feel that sorry for them. We really can't. Uh, Jake Dabrowski has been great. Pasternak has been Pasternak. And that team is playing really well as a group and as a team. And I think that's maybe the lost part of this. Yes, they have good individuals. They're a team. And and I do think they get it done in five. And that would be huge for them because I think Toronto, Tampa's going seven. Uh, Dave, well, the the series that I found the most difficult to make a pick on going into the playoffs
0: was the battle of the, uh, the Hudson there between the Devils and the Rangers. And it was interesting to see that Rangers, you know, win 5-1 in the first two games. Um, And I, I think at that point, I always thought that maybe Shesterkin gave the Rangers a little bit of an advantage just having been there before. There is playoff experience. Jersey's a relatively younger team. But w- what can Jersey do? H- how much do they get out of you know a win in game three and the way they want it? And uh, is this series
6: back on? I still feel like the Rangers are going to get this done. And I would say in five or six, I, I still feel strongly about the Rangers. Akira Schmid came in, the young goaltender, and did a nice job for Jersey. But I think the overall makeup of that Ranger team, Patrick Kane is the icing on the cake. Tarasenko, you know, is the top layer. Those two guys coming in, but still, you still have so much depth there. And and I'm actually maybe a bigger fan than some people is are of their. And boy, my English! Uh, I'm talking too much these days. Is uh, of that defensive core. Alexander um, Miller, I think, is a really good player. Adam Fox was someone I took a long time to warm to. I just did. I didn't like the fact that he worked his way to where he wanted to play, you know, and uh, you know, got out of two situations. The first one drafted by Calgary, and he's traded Carolina, doesn't want to play there. And I'm like, okay, we'll just play. Well, he does play, and he's that good. And maybe a perfect partner for him in Longborg. And Truba's sitting nicely on the second pair of a player you're very familiar with with a really good partner in Miller. I just think that's a good team. Yeah, I like young Braden Schneider back there on D. So the goaltender is the variable. I, I still think the Rangers get it done.
0: Dave, before we go, I want to bring this back to the Jets, Vegas going into tonight's game four. Um, Dylan Sandberg, of course, uh, you know, unfortunately made the pass that bounced out into center and ended up being, uh, being the winning goaltender. He was wearing it yesterday. Uh, what do you think's happening behind the scenes with both the teammates and the coaching staff, and how do you handle a young player who has played so well? That unfortunately is probably really feeling it after uh being at the center of uh of a goal that you know ended up being in the in their net and being a winner.
6: Very, very positive. That's exactly what it is. He's contributed a lot to this team. He's taken a step in his career. He's a good player. Um, I had the winner one night in in Hartford, uh top shelf, uh good deflection against Andy Moog. Unfortunately, he was my own goaltender. And uh, so you know, just playing net front, the puck came out of the corner. I put it in over Mogi's shoulder and you know, it felt terrible. Hey, yeah, uh, he was great about it. We came back and, and won game seven and, and kept going right through to the finals. So things like that happen. It's, it's something the individual that had, they're going to happen within a game was an unfortunate bounce. And Hellebuck looks at him and says, yeah, I'm going to stop it next time. Pooley. Did you ever play? I'm not sure whether this is sort of a more recent
0: phenomenon with the TV schedules, but, uh, did you ever play playoff games like a local 8.30 or 9 p.m. start? 9.30. How does that change 9.30? 30
6: on the East Coast in Madison Square Garden because the circus was in town and the circus had matinees. So you're walking up the ramp in Madison Square Garden looking eye-to-eye eye with the tigers and the elephants. And, and so no morning skate, there's no ice available, and you're playing 9.30 start. It's miserable, Andrew. It is miserable. You know, the the old 8 o'clock Hockey Night in Canada starts on Saturdays used to be the the scourge of everyone. You know, it didn't seem like a lot, the extra half hour, and then the extra hour when they moved to 7 o'clock. But believe me, 9.30, yes, I have. Are they tough? Yes, they are. How does that change the game day for players? I mean, for
0: fans, it's like, I mean, you can't believe how long you have to wait and there's the nerves and the energy. That's for the fans. I can't imagine what it's like for the players, especially in a scenario like for the Jets who probably can't wait to get back out there and get back at it after the way Saturday finished up.
6: They're tough. I mean, they're flat out tough. And you have to adjust to anything. I'd way rather adjust earlier than later, though, Andrew. I'd way rather have that game coming on me early than coming on me late. Give me a 5 o'clock, give me a 4 o'clock whatever you want to call it, you know, and the late ones, you're talking to the wrong guy because I hated them. Well, considering the way the
0: Jets played in the first and second as opposed to the third, maybe this will be a good thing for a bit of a later start. We certainly hope that they can uh, get a win and make this a best of three. It's been a lot of fun so far. The entire playoffs have been. Pooley, always a pleasure having you on the program. Enjoy the games tonight, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, having you back to talk about the Jets still alive in the Stanley Cup
6: playoffs in a week or two. Sounds like a plan, Andrew. Enjoy the hockey.
0: All right, great stuff with Dave and As always, really appreciate him jumping on with us today. The Hammer is locked and loaded. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Just before we bring in Hammer, got to thank our friends at Princess Auto for their wonderful support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and all things Winnipeg. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And I know we're all locked and loaded on the hockey right now, but it won't be too long before we're tailgating at the Princess Auto tailgate zone before Winnipeg Blue Bomber football coming up this year. Uh, we had a great time, Remo and I, popping by and seeing Joe and Spicy and the gang at Consolidated Supply for their big grand opening of the showroom over on Niagara Road at 1395 Niagara Road East. Uh, just waiting for this melt to com- be completed, and then uh, I know Joe's going to be crazy with irrigation systems, not just for golf courses, but for anyone's property. <clears throat> Consolidated Supply are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and, of course, golf carts as well. Donnie and the gang have the battery, uh, the battery sale on the golf carts. Well, new and used golf carts good to go for you over at Consolidated Supply as well. Other great options as well for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, as well as, of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by then see them at the showroom at 1395 Niagara Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca. Are you going to the game tonight? You heading to the whiteout party? Do you have your whites? Well, one stop at Royal Sports. We'll take care of that real quick. White road jerseys, white heritage jerseys, white retro reverse jerseys, tons of white hats, and so much more waiting for you. And, of course, they are open today. So if you do have any Winnipeg Jets whiteout needs, Royal Sports is the spot to do it. Of course, with spring here now, stock is arriving daily for soccer players, baseball players, softball players, tennis players, and more. Everything you need, not to mention a huge selection of bikes arriving by the day as well. Pop down, get ready for the whiteout, and get ready for spring at Royal Sports, Manitoba's number one sports superstore, 750 Pemina Highway, And follow them on Instagram at Pembina. Hey, if you're not at the Whiteout party or in the building tonight, the next best place to be is at your Whiteout headquarters at your local Boston pizza. Chance to win tickets to a Winnipeg Jet playoff game. Great specials. And the new Fanalytics-driven triple play combo, including... Cheesy Bandera Bread, Cactus Cuts, and Thai Chicken Bites. The new dill pickle spears are there as well. Uh, it's all happening at Boston Pizza, so if you're not at the game tonight, the next best place to be is at your local BP. And if it is an 8.30 game, if you are staying at home, you can always order online and get it delivered to you at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get the Hammer in here to break down game three and get ready for game four tonight. Hammer, what's up? How was your weekend?
5: It's funny you ask how my weekend was because I was thinking yesterday that it was like Wednesday and it was Sunday night. So my weekend (laughs) uh, was pretty dominated by hockey, by interviews, by talking with people, obviously the playoffs coming back to Winnipeg. Uh, Overall exciting weekend but I worked throughout. So I I was at my brother's yesterday having dinner and it dawned on me that it was Sunday evening and that I would have my hit with you guys the next day as Remo (laughs) sent me a text message confirming the time. So it went by quickly but it was a good one for sure.
0: Well, it was great to have you on today, and I mean, man, there's so much to get through. I mean, I tweeted this out yesterday. I mean, I like most of the fans of the Winnipeg Jets. I think was, uh, you know, needed a day off. Needed. I'm glad we didn't have a show yesterday, to be honest, because I needed this like to 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 exhale. Essentially, it was it was emotionally exhausting, and I can't imagine what it was like for the players involved in that game because, um, I mean, listen, it won't be remembered the same way because they didn't end up winning but i mean for a game that did not start off very well looked very bleak after two periods for the team to come together and battle back to get that thing to overtime and push it all the way to the second is a game i don't think anyone will forget um but as we were talking beforehand um you know, you'd, you'd hope from a Jets perspective that there are some things that they can at least build on because I can tell you it's far preferable to show that sort of fight knowing that you can stay in a game and in a series that's still very much up for grabs at 2-1 going into tonight's puck drop.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, it's certainly not the time of year for silver linings or moral victories. Let's just get that out of the way because that's that's obvious. But it's about as close to as. Positive a silver line as you can get for losing a game, in my opinion. Now, you win that game, you know, as you noted, it's certainly remembered, you know, assuming that that would be a catalyst to winning the series. Um, But, you know, the fact that they lost, I mean, those are just demoralizing losses. They're tough to get past, um, you know, no matter you know whether it's a comeback in the in, in the third period or not, it's just you get to that far in the game and it really is one bad bounce away. And as we saw, you know, off the shin pad right to the slot, game over. And so, um, but I don't think it's all bad news, as you alluded to. Hus, you know, this was a game where they didn't lose Josh Morrissey for ten minutes. They lost Josh Morrissey for ultimately the entire game. I mean, he played the his first shift and then thirty eight seconds on the power play. That was. It was, I think, before the five-minute mark of the of the first period. So they they you know were running off adrenaline. They you know they were in the thick of it. They're going to get help, obviously, this game with the added body on defense. Looks like Logan Stanley will draw in. There's a potential for seven D men, uh, but I do know Logan Stanley will be in. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's it's the fact that you did come back that you know it's possible. And I, and I and I will add one more silver lining, not out of that game, but just what we've seen from this season for those Jets fans who might be thinking they're done, is that I feel like the Jets' best work has come under the, you know, the most difficult of circumstances. You look at their season as a whole, it was their first half of their season, really, where they were learning, you know, new structures under head coach Rick Bonus. They were going through injury issues, lost a lot of guys. Nikolai Ehlers was out for, you know, a long stretch of games. You know, as he continues to be out for this playoffs, you had, you know, you had Mark Scheifele out at, at points. You had you had guys out and, and injury and guys in, right? It was it was it was next man up mentality. And if you look at the records, the Jets actually did better, you know, in the first half of the season clearly than the back half of the season, and that's when they were fully healthy. Now, you got to add in the fact that the games don't get easier as the season goes on and they get more intense. So that's certainly a you know something that that should be considered. But this team again just seems to find seems to find that missing thing or when or when they seem that they're they're down and out, they find a way to, to come up big. And so while I don't think it's, you know, it's certainly not an ideal circumstance to lose your, you know, MVP outside of Connor Hellebuck, um, just something about this team that seems to find a way, and that's going to be the hope, obviously, in game four tonight because – you know, as 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 much as this isn't a must win in the sense of you know win or go home, I don't. You know, you don't want to be heading back to T Mobile Arena in, in Vegas on Thursday for you know a potential elimination game. So huge game tonight, obviously. Hus is as, as all of them are in these playoffs.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Got to have it tonight and get this one to two two, and uh, you know, make it a best of three and build off of a, of a big win. Get the crowd into it. Start a little bit better. Try not to get behind. I mean, there's uh, many things I think they'll try to build on from that game in, uh, in game number three. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the loss of Josh Morrissey. Um, interested in your perspective on this because um, Dylan Sandbrick has played so, so well and obviously a heartbreaking um, end to the game, uh, which he spoke about over the course of the weekend. We just played some of it. But I really think there's going to be... I mean, Neil Pionk might play 30 minutes tonight. I mean, uh, you know, you saw how much he played in that double overtime game and how much they leaned on him without Josh Morrissey there. Looks like he's going to be riding with uh, Brandon Dillon. And I think Nate Schmidt is in a position to really step up and play some more with Dylan DeMello. I do wonder how much we'll see of that third pairing. And this is not really a knock on Dylan Sandberg at all. I mean, I think they're very confident with him, but... Uh, I do wonder how, what the confidence level for Logan Stanley is going in there tonight. To be honest, you know, I spoke about this with pals yesterday. I was sort of expecting that Kyle Capabianco might be the guy that got the tab just because of the type of player and what Josh Morrissey brings to the table. It's very different, but it's very clear. There's not one guy that's replacing Josh Morrissey. Neil Peon's going to move into that role, um, but it really will be all, all hands on deck. But how do you see the Jets trying to move forward without Morrissey and what that does to uh, the roles of everybody else lacing it up on the blue line
5: look there's a small window that they do go 7d man it doesn't seem like that will be the direction just given habits and the you know the ultimate indicator is that capo Bianca uh, stayed on the ice for extra work they don't usually do that Logan Stanley came off with the rest of the group after morning skate so they probably are going six and and, uh, and 12. I think the reason why they thought about seven and 11 or thinking about seven and 11 is that for the exact reason you just bring up, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tall order to jump into the lineup after, you know, a stretch of, you know, a couple weeks or whatever playing. I know Logan Stanley played that final game, same with uh, Capo Bianca, but um, you know, they, they haven't been in the lineup regularly and sort of throw them in the thick of an intense seven game series, uh, whether you want to call it fair or just, you know, whatever um, not ideal necessarily. So I, you know, I thought, I thought that they would maybe go seven because they were wondering what, you know, because they didn't know what the, exactly they were going to get from each one of those guys. And so if you go seven, you can kind of figure out real quick who's got the legs, who's got the comfort level in there. But at the same time, it also, you know, it's a classic too many, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen is are, are you overcomplicating things? So it's assuming that let's assume they go six and twelve. Um, you're right. I mean, it looks like Logan Stanley will be with Dylan Sandberg on that third pairing. If, uh, if today's morning skate and line rushes was any indication, uh, I'll, I'll, remind, you know, the listeners, viewers that Sandberg didn't play the last nine minutes of the third period. Um, you know, he did play obviously in the overtime periods and certainly was on the ice, of course, for the, for the, for the final play of the second overtime. Um, and I don't think that was to anything against confidence of of Dylan Sandberg, as you mentioned, Huss, I think he's been playing, well, he has been playing some of his best hockey, if not his best hockey in the series, particularly game one. I thought he had a, a standout performance. Um, but and they also needed a goal during that time, right? So you're not, you know, Dylan Sandberg isn't exactly known for his offense, but you know, I think you got to treat this game and, and Rick Bonus said as much in you know in his in his media availability that you're treating this game like it's game seven. I mean, you have to treat every game like a do or die, but particularly this game. And so I could see a heavy dosage of the top four. You know, I, I could easily see Neil Pionk gain into the thirty. You know plus 30 minute range. And if, uh, if game three was any indication, I think you're seeing some of the best of Neil Pionk as, as he, uh, you know, as, as the game went on in game three, I mean, he, he got assists on all three goals in the third period, um, and played, you know, again, like a, you know, very, very good hockey for, for 40 plus minutes. So I I imagine they're going to lean on a lot of those guys they are going to lean on the top, top two. I mean, Sandberg is probably still going to get his opportunities and special teams, of course, on, on the penalty kill. And, uh, but yeah, I, I see them running their top four horses a lot in this one, and um, and it really will depend on the game flow. I mean, if the if the Jets somehow find a way to take an early lead and and whatever, then you can start rolling rolling lines, right? You can start rolling three pairings on defense. You can roll four lines up front. Um, it's those situations where you know if there's a bunch of penalties at play, or or if uh, you know if the Jets fall behind, you start you have a different you know you have a different viewpoint of the game, and I think that's where you really see you know that that maybe the top again the top four being leaned on heavily. Um, that's just hockey. I mean, you're going to put your best players out as much as you can. You're going to run them as much as you can. Um, the question will be is you know what will that look like? You know, games in the future of this series, if the jets are able to win, what kind of costs will that have? I guess jets fans won't really care about that. If the jets can just even this series in this game, but I think you're looking at this game as a game seven, because again, you don't want to be going back to Vegas in a three, one hole. Um, not at all.
0: All right. Positive vibes in the chat. Keep them coming. MC stormy go jets. Go LFG. Thank you very much for the super chat. Um, I know you were around uh, on the weekend, um, you know, talking to the guys post-game and whatnot. Um, You know, we just played some of the clips from Dylan Sandberg, and I I mean, you know, for a young guy that has played so well for this club, it is somewhat heart-wrenching. I mean, I think back to, and I mean, listen, I'm not going to put him on the level of Steve Smith at this point. Certainly the mistake wasn't a Steve Smith level doing it, but... Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that have played long, long time, a long time in the National Hockey League. That early on have an incident like this. That um, you know, I'm sure that they'll always remember for unfortunate reasons. Um, but what did you think of the the poise that Sandberg showed, really owning that? Albeit, I mean, that could have honestly happened to just about anyone. It was a really bad break. That's often the way these games are determined. Um, but also the way the team is seemingly really rallied around him, uh, starting with Rick Bonus calling him after the game.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, would you expect any less? I mean, uh, this team would be in real trouble if you didn't have somebody on the ice at the time of the, you know, of the unfortunate giveaway. Um, wasn't, you know, wasn't supporting him, consoling their teammate. And, you know, I, I'd, expect, I'd expect his teammates to have his back. Once they got to the locker room, and certainly for for Rick Bonus, not taking away any of that, that you know they did exactly that. And as you mentioned, Rick Bonus not only spoke to him immediately after the game to let let him know that you know he's a big part of big part of uh, why the Jets are where they are. Every single player is a big part of part of the reason why they are where they are, and um, certainly deserve to play in the overtime period. So. I think at this point it's less about the Xs and Os for him just given we're in a series. I mean you can go through the tape, say hey, you sh-, it's not like Dylan Sandberg wouldn't want to have that play over if you, you know, an extra couple inches to the left, a little you know, whatever. I mean he knows what, he knows how unfortunate it was. I mean, it's funny, you know, I get a lot of I don't write headlines for my stories, but we call it was called a giveaway gaffe or whatever in overtime and I got a bunch of emails from people saying like how could you call that, you know, like you know, how can you blame this guy for that those things happen all the time well yeah absolutely those plays happen all the time and um you know I, I wasn't criticizing I mean first of all we don't writers don't write headlines I'll just remember I'll remind people that but you know it, it look it, it's a learning lesson it's a learning an opportunity to learn for for Dylan Sandberg and every player goes through it. every player has a bad break every you know and it's not so much the fact that you have a bad break it's Now that you had a bad break, how do you handle it? And I thought Dylan Sandberg certainly, you know, you could see that you could see it on his face yesterday. He didn't want to be there. He knew why he was there uh, up on the podium to talk. I mean, um, and he's not, and he's obviously not feeling great about the result of that play, but uh, I think you know th- again this is this is now the response it's not about game three anymore it's about game four and how you bounce back and you know I've always viewed diversity as a as a privilege and I think you know I think that's the approach that Sandberg is taking and it, and it helps that you have players coming up veterans who have been in the league for for a long time to let him know that you know I'm sure there's guys that shared their moments over their career when, when they were you know the goat if you will and and so again it, it just it, it's less about what happened and more about how you handle it and i think this is that's the beauty of hockey that's the beauty of the fact that it didn't happen in a deciding game it's not like you have to spend the rest of the offseason wondering you know what if or whatever uh now it's it's about getting back in the lineup and, and showing why you belong again so you know support from the team support from the coaches unfortunate bounce but you know dylan sandberg is is uh, I find to be pretty mature beyond his, you know, his 24 years. So for him to, you know, for him to handle the way he handled it, um, certainly a positive. But again, this is this is the response. All that really matters is, is how he performs tonight and how he answers back. And the Jets are going to need a big game from him and everybody if they're going to even this series tonight.
0: Yeah, I know Slamberg in particular, but also the uh, the team will get that support from uh, a pack house tonight of uh, crazies dressed in white when the puck yeah. gets going for that late start just after 8.30 speaking of um answering the bell of the challenge i i i thought that this would be a physical series but even i um you know expecting that beforehand i'm sort of taken aback at how physical it's been and how consistent it's been sometimes you'll see periods of a game where there's a bunch of hits and it's one shift or two it really has seemed jeff like it has been top to bottom and you know that vegas brings that that is sort of part of their dna but I have to admit, on Saturday, one of the things that did impress me, even when things weren't going well for them on the scoreboard right into the third period, was how the Jets were consistently able to match and answer the level of physicality that the Vegas Golden Knights were bringing to the table.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they what had 25 hits after the first period and and 60, I believe, after after three. Uh, I don't remember the Jets really getting much of 25 hits in most games, let alone let alone the first period. So certainly a physical affair. I think, you know, the emotions run high, of course. Uh, playing in front of what was an incredible crowd in game three, that's just going to get the blood going, right? That's going to encourage you to finish your checks. That's going to encourage you to get hard on the four check. You just have the natural lift of the, of the crowd. And you had players talking about it uh, post-game, Uh, three talking about how that energy, maybe they were a little bit too emotional um, from it. Right. And so, you know, it only takes so long before a, a a heavy forecheck on both sides gets so annoying or so frustrating that the, the you know, the stuff after the whistle starts to happen. Right. Like guys take offense on any hit nowadays. So to have, you know, two teams throwing their weight around uh, it's going to get nasty. And you also got to realize how critical these games are. I mean, that was game three as as, Interesting as game one and two were, where Jets obviously dominated in game one, Vegas dominates in game two. Now it's like, okay, the feeling out process is over. Now, you know, you got to take what's yours. And so that emotion, I love the emotion, right? Whether it's the, the scrap right off the bat, obviously I thought Brendan Dillon, you know, throwing down with Keegan Kolsar was, was uh, you know, set the tone of that game and was interesting because it really, you know, sticking up for Adam Lowry, uh, as Brendan Dillon said afterwards, you know, Adam Lowry sticks up for enough people. I think that, again, that with along with the crowd is certainly an emotional boost, and it's not going to die down any 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 soon, um, anytime soon. And so, you know, that's what ho- playoff hockey is. It's emotion filled. Um, it's air filled, and you know, it's like you know, we saw the the game end in game three it's it's just it's unpredictable and so I think as you get deeper and deeper in into playoffs and of course you're playing the same team over and over again it's only bound to get nasty I mean guys are taking guys are taking receipts on on who did what and when and 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 paying guys back for for some of the behavior so I don't I don't I anticipate this game and the rest of the series to be much like we saw in game three maybe even sooner than later and when you add in the mix players like Pierre-Luc Dubois who have no problem getting under guy's skin and and lipping guys off and playing some of the you know the verbal the verbal assault game um, that you know that tends to to get tends to get the tempers going and uh, and the fists flying. So hopefully we see some more of that tonight. Hopefully we see some passion and uh, and emotion because I really do think that's what makes the game great, and particularly this time of year in the playoffs when everything's a, just that much higher stakes.
0: God, you mentioned Pierre Luc Dubois. We'll do the cool bet lines at the end of the show, but there was a prop bet for Saturday's game where Dubois was plus one twenty for over. Uh, to to take a penalty at some point in the game. The freest money of all time. And credit to the PK for those two big kills in overtime to keep them alive until the un, uh, unfortunate end to the game. Um, but speaking of that physicality, I mean, a number of players that, you know, certainly are not normally involved in that sort of play, I thought answered the bell. I thought Blake Wheeler actually played one of his most physical games in a long, long time. Um, but even Mark Shifley was getting in there, um, you know, was kind of showing that fire that that you have to have at this point. Um, Shifley had the big power play goal to get the team to 4-3 before Adam Lowry tied it. Um, but what preceded that was the first time we've seen a significant line change mid-game, Jeff. And Mark Shifley, who had been on the wing for the majority of the last two or three weeks with and Connor got a chance to move back to center with his old running mate, Blake Wheeler and Nemetstikov. Bob, first of all, what did you think was behind that switch? And what did you think of the lines once we uh, moved away from that really top heavy unit um, and adding a bit more to the second line, which of course is missing the absence of Nikolai Ehlers right now?
5: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, what necessarily triggered the, the change, because if you if you look at it, it could be a couple different things. I mean, Mark Shifley could have tugged on Rick Bonus's pant leg and said, I don't want to, you know, I want to go back to center, right? Because that's what that's what Rick Bonus had said when he put that line together, that it was ultimately Mark's call uh, for how long it went. Um, the other thing could have very well been the fact that you have three of your best scorers on one line, and if you're not generating offense, maybe you want to spread out some of the wealth and not have it be a pretty easy attack. For Vegas, if you're if you're shutting down that top line, and that could have played in into you know the Jets obviously were using Lowry's line to go against the top line of Vegas, and so the matchup looked like it would work. But if you're not getting the if you're not getting the success and not generating offense, and it's been a couple games at, at even strength, it only makes sense to separate the two. And so again, I don't know exactly how how or why the the, the lines changed, but you know it's clearly Bonus wanted to see more offense as he often does when he brings out the line blender and and so you know it was interesting to to hear him say after the game that you know we we dragged out that that uh, that experiment long enough what did it last a few games like it wasn't like it was he made it sound almost like it was the back half of the season and they had you know squeezed all the blood from the stone i, I you know i but i you know i i think you do need to spread a bit of that wealth and um I think you saw the result of it, right? You saw the result at the end of the game, or as the game went on, particularly that third period that they were generating offense. So it worked. Um, they're going to go back with that same, not the same lineup to start, the same lineup they ended. Mark Scheifele going to be on that line with Domestikov uh, and, and Blake Wheeler. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's. Again, it worked last game for the most part. They didn't win the game, but they, you know, when you change in the second period and you're able to come back from a four-one deficit, there's obviously something going right in the chemistry there. I, well, and
0: one, just one thing quickly on Shifley. I yeah. mean, I I really thought that in the third period, when after that change had been made, and not that he wasn't. I mean, I think the entire team was pretty engaged, but things hadn't been going well. They hadn't been generating the shots, and it really did seem like 55 in particular had a big boost um, to getting back into that center ice role. And I mean, you know, it's a two-sided equation, right? I mean, there is, you know, more defensive responsibilities. And I think that was something that they liked taking off his plate when they moved him to that side. But considering the gravity of the situation and the importance of every shift and every play, um, I liked the way Shifley responded to that opportunity and Um. Obviously, it was a power play goal. It wasn't on that shift, but I think that if they continue to do more of what we saw in the second half of that game after the change, we might have a little bit more of a balanced scoring group because it's been leaning on that top line. And then of course the other guy that's been the scoring star has been Adam Lowry, who has done absolutely everything for this Winnipeg Jets team throughout this series.
5: Well, and it's also a change when you don't have Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup, right? I mean, that was working better with, with 27 there. Right. And, and so it, it is, I do think that line, with Mark Scheifele, you know, Mark, like, it's no secret, right? He's, he's said it before. We know he likes to possess the puck. He likes to be a playmaker. I think there's too much of that on that top line with Kyle Connor and Pierre Dubois, two other players that like to have the puck. Uh, so maybe that's part of it. You know, we, we looked at Vladislav Nemestikov. He's the kind of guy who can easily adapt to whoever he's playing. So if Mark Scheifele wants to, wants the puck, it's now Domestikov's job to get him the puck. And so I think that relationship works. Blake Wheeler has admitted that he's obviously not the same player as he used to be. He can't create the same kind of space. So he's, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but he's more of a passenger on that line than a driver. So it gives Mark Scheifele kind of the, you know, the offensive responsibilities that he longs for. And I think having, not only Nemestikov, but Blake Wheeler, who can also take faceoffs. Who you know, Nemestikov being a good in his own zone, you'll you'll notice they play a lot of whoever the first defender back is 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 a centerman, and Nemestikov is often the first guy back, so he takes away some of that res- that defensive zone responsibility for Mark. So I do think it is a you know it, it is a benefit to his game. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the cost of other people's games, but uh, certainly you know putting a guy like Nino Niederreiter on the top line, because it's not all about Mark Scheifele just moving down and playing with different players. I think you want to bring in a Nino Niederreiter to be a heavy game to separate the puck to get guys the puck like like Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? So I think Niederreiter is another guy, much like Nemestikov, who who complements any trio you add them to. So it's, it's no surprise that you have one of those guys on each of those lines, um, and we'll see. We'll see how it works. I, I would not be surprised tonight that if things aren't clicking, With the way that the lineup is set up, the forward group in particular, that he'll go back to that line, maybe. Like this is a thing. If they're
0: trailing if they're trailing in the game Absolutely.
5: uh, And Rick Bonus is known for this. I got messages from you know some scouts I you know I talk with, some some people who are just really who know Rick personally. They said he this is where he shines. He has no problem. Altering lines, changing things—if you know—at the first sign of things aren't working out, he's not going to be a guy who's going to wait for the last ten minutes uh, to change things if things aren't going. So again, whether you want to call it a short leash or just a guy who 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 you know embraces the flow of the game and 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 changing it and, and seeing what works, because I think I would argue that's Rick Bonus's best. Best uh, characteristic of him is that human element. He knows when and who's going and when to capitalize on it. it you know, again, I don't hate to bring Mark, uh, Mark, Paul Maurice back into this conversation. Where Paul Maurice used to be like, okay, these guys aren't going. Let's give them more time. You like to, see, you know, Rick Bonus is a guy who sees this guy's going. Let's let's maximize that in this moment, and it doesn't have to last all game because if another guy gets going again, he's going to jump on that momentum, and that's what we've seen so far. I think in this playoff. Well,
0: and one game that's uh, one line that's not going to get touched is that third line. If we even want to call it the third line, it was hilarious talking to Dave Poulin later on. And he's like, no, no, no. We just think that we're the first line. And I'll tell you what, Adam Lowry is playing like a first liner right now. Um, But I really like what Mason Appleton's doing. And I think that Morgan Barron, um, you know, after obviously a a very scary incident in the, uh, in the first game um, has really rounded that out well. But to me, it starts with Adam Lowry and, Listen, I think there's been a lot of reasons to be very complimentary of Adam Lowry as the guy that I really do believe kind of was the catalyst of saving this season Um, late, you know, with the goal in Nashville and Arizona and and, uh, Anaheim, but man, Jeff, um, this is even beyond, I think what most people thought that, um, that Adam Lowry had to give, but I mean, game after game, he continues to raise his level of play, um, and I think there's a reason why he's the first guy that's thrown over the boards or he's opening the the, the game for Rick bonus. And um, he can be, if he continues to play this way, a huge part of getting this team right back in this series.
5: Yeah. You don't gotta, you don't gotta convince me hustler. I've been on the, I've been, I would argue I've been leading the Adam Lowry train for captain of this team. The next C he epitomizes everything that, that fans should want in a player that plays for the city epitomizes much of what the city stands for. His work ethic is unquestionable. He's a, he's he can adapt to uh, if things aren't working as we saw earlier in the season. You go that many games without scoring goals, that's a problem. Obviously, you need you know whether you want to call him a third line center or what. You need the you need some level of offensive production. You can't nobody can go that long really, even a fourth liner. But even in those games, Adam Lar would find ways to contribute. He'd find elements of the game that he could take you know that he could be a positive part and and even during those stretches he was still generating chances he just wasn't scoring them so so to see those go in for him now i mean that's just that that's just the definition of, of hard work paying off and you know this is guy leads in so many different ways you know massive piece of the of the penalty penalty kill of course plays on the on the second unit power play you know as the guy who sticks up for all his teammates and who brings that consistent game and i I'd, I'd also Say this is that Rip Bonuses style, Paul Maurice's style before that, wanting to play a heavy checking, heavy defensive game is a tall order to ask any player in the NHL, particularly more skilled players. It's just not going to happen over an eighty-two game season. But Adam Lowry is built for that. I think he takes comfort in that kind of style of play. And, when, and, and brings a level of consistency night in and night out. And for all those reasons and more, um, and not to mention, as you said, what he's been able to do in this playoffs, what he was able to do down the stretch, he was absolutely – the catalyst outside of maybe Connor Hallibuck to get this team, to will this team back into the playoffs. And it's no surprise he played a key role in that game against Minnesota where he where they clinched their playoff spot, not only scoring a goal, but sticking up for his teammates and sending a bit of a message, not to the league per se, but to particularly to his own dressing room, that I got your back, I got everyone's back. There's not a single guy in that locker room that doesn't have a great thing to say about him. He's universally liked amongst the coaching staff. And I, I imagine for most fans outside of maybe a again, the goal drought, um, he's he's given everything and more particularly for what he's getting paid and, and what his expectations are on a nightly basis.
0: Well, I uh, couldn't agree more. And, and and you mentioned Hellebach, the other guy that has been the backbone of this club. We haven't talked a lot about goaltending overall because, I mean, I think it's been a very even series. Uh, you know, most of the goals that you know have gone in have been earned by Vegas as opposed to, uh, you know, quote-unquote, a bad one. although maybe the third goal he probably would have liked to have had back. But I can't help but think given the situation that the Winnipeg Jets are in and the importance of Connor Hellebuck, that there is another level from 37. And if he can get there, that's going to be, that might be the single most important factor to the Jets getting back in this series and giving them a chance to stay in it and possibly win it.
5: Hey, look, before Josh Morrissey was out, before we ever imagined that Nikolai Ehlers would take this long to return to the lineup, what was the number one thing? but the Jets needed the, if, if you will, if the Jets are going to get past this series, it was going to be on the back of, of Connor Hellebuck. And that, that hasn't changed. And, and to your point, Huss, I think when, when the going gets tough, Connor Hellebuck gets tougher. Let's see how he responds to this. I think, you know, I don't think he's had a terrific series. I don't think he's had a bad series necessarily, probably some goals in there that he'd want back, but this is a guy who, who, I think if you're taking any solace as a fan, this guy embraces the adversity. He embraces the challenge. He's not shying away from the fact that you know the Jets could be up on a three-one hole. He's not coming into this game not feeling confident or nervous or whatever. This guy is dialed in. He knows, you know, he he knows it where he where he stands in this league, where he stands on this team, and and again, he embraces that challenge. So you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a uh, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. But if I was to make you know, if I was to bet anything, you know, whether win or lose tonight uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, 37 is going to show up, give the team the best opportunity they can to win. And, and it's not all about the goals against too, right? It's, it's about it's about giving the Jets an opportunity to, you know, when they're when they the momentum shifts in Vegas's favor to weather that storm to be a big to be a big presence, the best penalty killer they have by keeping the puck out of the net. All those things he's done in the past, he needs to do them tonight. Um, And again, the pressure, no such thing for him. He'll handle it. Uh, We'll see what happens. But that's, uh, you know, I think that's got to be the expectation for 37, not just for us, but for him himself.
0: Shout out to Ezzy of uh, the IC crew who has popped into the chat. I believe he dropped a Ginsburg guarantee as well. So Ezzy's feeling it tonight. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah, whatever Um, that, what is that worth? This is well, <laughs> depends who you talk to, Jeff. Depends who you talk to. I'm going with positive. Uh, hey, uh, hey, before, uh, before we break, um, uh, Logan Stanley's going in tonight. We expect Axel Janssen Fialbi to go in as well. Um, I- I'm totally here for Axel, although I didn't mind David Gustafson's play. Um, but Axel certainly maybe adds a little bit of another element and certainly can hold his own on the penalty kill but this is a unique situation for Logan Stanley. And because it has been, and this is the weird thing about Stan. He's so big. Everyone talks about, you know, how huge he is. He's not always played the most physical style of, uh, of hockey. And I'm not sure whether it's not wanting to overcommit and get burned, but for a guy that has not played very much in a long time, this is going to be a, uh, a huge opportunity for Stanley. who's really found himself on the wrong end of the depth chart when everyone is healthy but also potentially a chance maybe for him to, you know, be that player that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets dreamed of when they drafted him in the first round. Um, The one other thing I'll say about Stanley is that he has a knack for getting the puck on net. And uh, of course I believe his last playoff game was the second game against, was the game four against Montreal where he in fact scored twice, Jeff. So uh, I mean, that, that would be a nice bonus, But I'm sure you agree. I mean, keeping it simple, playing with some level of physicality, and um, just trying to stay on the even side of the ledger is going to be what they need from the big guy when he's out there on the ice tonight.
5: Yeah, the Jets would certainly take a two-goal performance from Logan Stanley tonight, no doubt about it. That would bring him in for his offense first and foremost. But I think they'd settle for a consistent game. And so it's funny you bring up because everybody, you know, I. I talked to. I went to Stanley right away as as the reporters kind of went over to 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 Mark Shifley to scrum him and wanted to get him one on one and you know ask him and right away he's like yeah man yeah let's go you know I'm I'm excited for the opportunity all those things um, but I think for but when you asked Rick Bonus about what you know when I brought it up with him Rick didn't love the fact that. You know, the cat was out of the proverbial bag, if you will. Um, but, uh, you know, he did answer what he needs from him. And it wasn't like, you know, a lot, a lot of the comments are, he's 6'7". Did you know he's 6'7"? You know, as as, as as often fans, you know, passionate fans will talk about the the big Logan Stanley, um, you know, as a shot, right? But when you would ask Rick Bonus, you know, why, what, what is it about his skill set, right? Because you look at him, you look at the size right away, you think, okay, heavy forecheck, physical series, all those things, maybe that's compatible, maybe not. You look at Josh Morrissey, you need to have a puck mover, all those things. Um, and it was interesting to hear Rick Bonus start off by saying he's really good at closing the gap, you know, so preventing the preventing the you know the the, the rush opportunities, the chances. That, that might be his long stick, obviously, his big body, whatever. I don't think he overcommits, as you mentioned. There is a, probably a bit of a fear of recovery there. Um, but that being said, uh, that's an important part of this game. I mean, uh, it's it, it, to me, it's also like, look, I think a lot of people are are, are you know look at look at Kyle Capabianca and. His consistency, and I think, I personally, I thought that that's the direction they were going to go. I think he, you know, has a bit of a more consistent game, a little bit more offensive upside, not significantly, obviously, but a little bit more. Um, but they've decided to go with Logan Stanley, and, and that's you know that's the way it is. Whether that's going to be the right choice, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, from his perspective, he understands how important this is, not just for for the team, but for him personally. And what's been an otherwise difficult season, uh, filled with injuries and inconsistency. So while it might not be an ideal situation. Uh, for the lineup, I know he's, you know, he's eager to get in there, and we'll see what happens. I mean, this is this is the playoffs, right? This is the 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 season of unsung heroes. I'm not suggesting or trying to add any kind of pressure to to Logan Stanley to come in and his, he did play the regular season finale, but to come in, you know, essentially after not playing for for some time, or and certainly not consistently all season. Uh, it's going to be a tall order, but 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 he's going to have to come up and and do his job, and and that's uh, that's playing a sound defensive game, being responsible in front of the net. If you've seen anything, man, I mean the front of the net's been a nasty place in this series. So, you know, as 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 much as people like to make light of the fact he's he's six seven and and whatever, um, you know that size does matter in front of the net. That size does matter in scrums, and I think to your earlier point, Hoss, he's going to need to use that right. He's going to have to have all those. Although, you know, the strengths that Boas talked about, closing the gap, he's also going to have to use um, you know his size and 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 you know when things get after the whistle i'm not saying go in there and haymaker a guy but let your presence known and i think that i think that's been kind of frustrating part of his game for as big as he is he hasn't really been as engaged in that in those kind of things so it's playoff hockey there is no there is no excuses you know we'll go say there is no tomorrow even there is tomorrow but you got to play like there isn't um, and whether or not you agree with the decision that's what's happening and we'll see how we'll see how that plays out tonight.
0: Well, I cannot wait for it. Eight thirty-seven. It sounds like the puck's going to drop tonight, so get your pre-game nap in, folks, before uh, heading down to the rink or wherever you're going. And uh, Jeff will look forward to reading all about it tomorrow in the Winnipeg Free Press. As uh, it's all hands on deck for the Free Sports section for uh, for this series. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be uh, i I'll, I'll be going to the game tonight,
5: which should be exciting. I love the atmosphere, man. I can't say enough about it. Oh, it's just up, amazing. It, it's just you know whether it's covid whether it's just the up and down season whether it's just all the negativity that seems to exude from this team and i know i'm not exactly the uh, the uh, you know the the leader of optimism at all times but just to see the fans get you know to 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 show up to support to be as loud as they were and as impactful as they were you know i think oh, you'll remember that third period for a long time if you were in that building and and it's going to be a massive one tonight now i'm uh, Going to get that done and then head to Vegas at 7 in the morning. So if anyone's at the airport around 4.35 tomorrow morning, uh, I'd say come talk to me, but I don't know if I'll be in the mood. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but well, certainly with, a
0: joke, with but the it. late game i mean you might be getting in a cab just after dropping some people off from the game i guess depending on how things end up tonight yeah. uh, well you know death taxes and it is going to be insane in that building tonight right from the get-go got to wait a little longer for puck drop tonight but let's hope it's worth it game four between the jets and the vegas golden knights and uh have a great trip out to vegas for uh for game five and here's hoping that uh We've got a lot more exciting things to talk about with the Jets in the uh, coming days and weeks. Thanks for doing this, pal, and enjoy it tonight. Thanks for having me, guys, and shout out
5: to the, uh, the the viewers and listeners. As those as uh Winnipeg Sports Talk is also on podcast format, and I didn't mention this, Hus. Nice renovations, man. That's some crazy work you guys did. I don't know how long it took you to put all that up on the brick wall, but uh, it certainly looks uh, CTO. It's, it's how about
0: my favorite picture there, <laughs> Willie J with the uh, with the championship belt and the Grey Cup. Um, yeah, I know a, a great new set for Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've been working on that for a while and uh, it's uh, good to have it. Thanks, Hammer. Great stuff as always. There is uh, our pal Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. And Jeff, as he just mentioned, is uh, wheels up to Vegas early tomorrow morning. So we will be able to catch uh, all of his reporting on the series as the series shifts to Vegas, regardless of what happens tonight between the Jets and the Golden Knights. Um Hey, whatever you're doing tonight, if you're planning on mixing in a few beers, get them down a little brown jug and try the new generic lager. Had a couple on the weekend. Man, this is uh this is a beauty, and this one will be around for uh the long term, I think. Generic lagers just launched. It's your basic lager, just better. Impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and a crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with a light beer. It is available in eight packs or by the can. You can get it at the tap room or through vendors. And uh, very soon, both in eight packs and in singles at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. Uh, shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake getting ready for the summer. An incredible getaway for expert fishermen and uh, more amateur ones like myself with the best guides and world-class hospitality from the Turin family at a piece of paradise in Manitoba where you can be on the lake within two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Uh, It's an amazing corporate outing. I mean, a majority, I wouldn't say a majority, but a ton of their business from the United States is companies that have gone there and keep coming back every year. Find out more at AkinsLake.com. There are limited availabilities for the rest of the season, more than 85% filled, but still time to book your trip out to Akins Lake right now. And a quick shout out to... uh, university students if you're looking to uh, spend the summer in paradise with incredible team making and saving money for the upcoming school year they're still looking for a few guides and servers so you can always fire a resume to pit at akinslake.com and find out more about that and just before we get remo in here a little breezy bend golf report now the pga tour was uh the tag team affair, the Zurich Classic, the Canadians, Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor, went crazy yesterday in alternate shot, ended up falling out just short. But the big local golf story on the weekend was Aaron Cockrell, who lost in a playoff to former PGA Tour winner Lucas Herbert in the DP World Tour event in Japan. Just an amazing tournament for Aaron, which I believe was his first time back on tour. After becoming a father, so AC brought that baby swag out to Japan. Uh, unfortunately, not winning in the uh, in the playoff, but another great performance, moving way up the world rankings into around plus two fifty. And we'll look forward to getting Aaron on in the next few weeks to talk about that and. I'd love to talk to him because I'll bet anything he was also checking his phone at some point to see what was happening with the Jets um, and the Vegas Golden Knights while he prepared for that final round over in Japan. Of course, all our golf reports brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around with their beautiful course side patio. I got a few of my buddies at Breezy who all went after the game Back to the golf course and uh, watched Aaron play that final round into the playoff. Great social scene at Breezy. If you're thinking about becoming a member, find out more at breezyben.ca or call up pal Corey Johnson for more information about becoming a member. All right, let's get Remus back in here. And, Reem, like I told you yesterday on text, I was so emotionally exhausted from the game just needed to kind of get away from everything yesterday. That being said, I'm back. I think jet fans are back. The team is back ready for this one tonight. And uh, I told you by the end of this show, I'd be jets and six guy. Mm, six might be a bit aggressive, but I'll tell you what, I got a real good feeling about this game tonight that this team comes back and finds a way to even the series
1: at two. I'm looking forward to part two of, uh, you know, the two games here we had game one, or sorry, game three uh, it was pretty incredible. Atmosphere, uh, great to see fans in the building for a playoff game for the first time since 2019, and I think we're going to see a great follow up tonight. I'm curious about this street party. It's gonna it's gonna be a bit chilly. I I still think there's going to be you know capacity out there. 5k. I saw they release some more tickets for the game and the and the party. But I mean, what an amazing visual it was in people on the street, people in the arena. Um, I know they're gonna they're probably gonna come out the same. I mean the just the hits that these guys were laying on each other throughout the game like they there was some serious dislike there so uh, I can't wait to see what's gonna happen uh, tonight and I do think the Jets I think they believe they can win and uh, we'll have to see if they if that does happen on the ice hey you know what I mean I I glossed over this
0: earlier but Chris Vermette in chat just brought it up he was on a conference call welcome back Chris I'm glad you were able to get back to the important things today not work today's edition of WST. Um, he said, I'm assuming the icing shovel break was touched on. Um, that was bizarre. Now, I, I, I'm not sure, Remo, what was the explanation up in the press box. Obviously, we were watching the game and I wasn't listening to the television. Uh, rate. The only thing I can think of is that in overtime, it is a set, uh, a, like whenever the whistle is at the 10-minute mark, it is set to go on. Either that or... They uh, they just sort of jumped ahead. But it, it did seem very strange to have a t- TV timeout after an icing because, of course, that is not the way it works during the regular 60 minutes of the game.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And Elliot Friedman did touch on that um, on 32 Thoughts. So to Alex Howe, who also communicated that in chat, says, bang on. So uh, I think it was just it was just crap timing. I mean, what can you do? That's when it is in overtime always halfway through and there was icing. I guess since you, maybe the players know that and you I don't know if they look at the time and be like hey it's 10 minutes in overtime It's going to be a TV team out. let's ice the puck I wonder if if some of these I guys know do if we know that I do
0: give them that credit I mean Why? it's just they, such, know. they know they're smart I I I, I guess they've played overtime before The thing before. is I mean how often would that even happen on a, like I I have not seen that before and yeah. I guess that is just the way things work I mean they're going to get it in at that point because they are just doing one break and they do want to you know take the the snow away and clear it out for it but it was a little bit of a strain there was a couple of weird things with tv timeouts as I, as i mentioned earlier we didn't get that final tv timeout in the third period and after shifley had made it 4-3 i kind of thought that you know the jets would take advantage of that tv timeout and at one point i'm thinking just get a whistle then You know, you'd be able to come back. Well, needless to say, they got past the two-minute break. At that point, there are no more TV timeouts. They let it run out, so they ended up missing that last one. But it didn't matter because Adam Lowry was there, Johnny, on the spot with uh, 20-odd seconds left to put this one to overtime. Obviously, the Jets fell up short in double OT tonight, but they got another crack at the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Uh, Remo, let's, uh, before we finish up this program, take a look at what the uh, odds makers are saying for this game tonight. Four games on the docket this evening in the National Hockey League playoffs. And all four series are two games to one. The Jersey Devils are in New York at MSG to take on the Rangers. The Rangers, a minus 156 favorite. That's gotten a little bit bigger than earlier today when we did the lock shop. Jersey plus 133. Um, And I'm not sure whether Jersey gets extra life from, you know, a big OT goal by Dougie Hamilton to put this series to two to one um that schmidt that came in and played so well in the devils net going to be leaned on again to do it i'm not sure that that happens i have to lean rangers to get this one to 3 to 1 and
1: i think that's a big reason why this line's moving a little bit in favor of new york yeah the devils really showed up nice uh, ot winner uh with the pass from Brett to Dougie hamilton uh with the no sell selly has the stone faced <laughs> gotta love it uh, i don't i picked the devils in this one so i think they make it close um, I'm going New Jersey. Maybe they need to get their playoff legs. They did make the goalie change. Uh, I was kind of surprised how they needed to do that. I advantage check had been good. But, hey, they're comfortable with what they have, and uh, we will see. And, you know, I see a lot of people in chat saying, oh, it's all, you know, Toronto is why the Jets have to start at 830. And like look, it's this game's on ESPN. It's the Rangers before there's the Rangers too. I mean, it's both TV networks and the NHL working together to screw the central time zone teams. <laughs> happens in the NBA also. Charles Barkley went off. So um, you know, get well, mad listen, at before
0: people spend too much time at the wine and cheese party. The Jets are playing in the Pacific Division. Yes. I mean, they're the eighth seed, they're playing across. This is gonna be the same thing that happens in the second round if they are lucky enough to win because of where they are. Now, to your point, the Central Division, this isn't the first time we've seen this, um, the Central Division gets pushed late because of how many more teams are out in the Eastern time zone, and they don't want to be playing these games at the same time they'd like to. And, I mean, I think as fans, this is exactly what we want. I mean, don't put all the games on at the same time. Spread them out. Uh, It just sucks a little bit for some folks that maybe don't like the late games. But i rather look at it as a benefit. I think it'll give fans maybe a little bit of extra pre-gaming time. And I think once we get this game going tonight, just after 8.30, it will be bedlam and maybe even a little louder than it might be if it was a seven or a seven thirty start. So it is what it is and we've got to deal with it. And that's probably going to be, uh, the status quo going forward until the Winnipeg jets move to our, until the city moves somewhere else, which I don't think is happening. Your good. Jets are going to be in the central division and, uh, I mean, the, the the teams that are feeling it right now are Minnesota and Dallas, who have these 830 starts nightly, although they did have the earlier game last night. Shout out to the Stars for winning. Still so triggered every time I see Ryan Hartman out there playing and scoring OT winners and knowing that Nikolai Ehlers, because of his cheap shot, is out, and all he got was one ridiculous regular season game for a penalty. Uh, you mentioned that Leafs-Lightning game. Big comeback by the Leafs on Saturday. They're up 2-1. They are a slight road favorite tonight at minus 114. Tampa's at minus 103. And Reem, I got to say, I'm expecting this one to go the distance. I think there's still going to be a number of ups and downs in this series. I have a hard time thinking that Tampa Bay is going to get swept at home and be facing elimination. I'm going to take the lightning at uh, just above even money to even this series at two.
1: You'd have to think so. Um, I mean, what craziness there with uh, Morgan Riley going into the into the boards. It's not Morgan Riley pushing Braden Point, and that was pretty scary. And then oh. what Stamkos bullying Austin Matthews into a fight. Sheldon Keefe calling out Tampa for gaming the refs. The video of Kyle Dubas going nuts in the in the box. Uh, that was craziness in that series. Like two again, two sixty goal scorers fighting each other, although it was Matthews really fighting? That or? wasn't
0: much of a fight at all, but no. they got him off the ice for five minutes in a game that they were trailing three to two. That was the weird thing about it. Tampa, like, it was almost like they didn't even care that this was a one goal game. I mean, they were really, really trying to push the physicality and in some ways goon it up a little bit, but there's plenty of chapters left in this one. Uh, I think I do like Tampa to get the win tonight, and right now, Vegas and Winnipeg Remo, this is a straight up pick'em tonight over at
1: Cool Bet, minus one oh eight on either side. Kind of a surprise with Josh Morrissey out and Ealers out. Um you'd think Vegas leading two one. They're the first place team that they would be the heavy favorite here, but the book respecting the Jets. You almost think this is like too easy if you're not a Winnipeg Jets fan and you want to win, we just bet Vegas. Um sorry, but but I mean just That's what you would think, but we've seen the Jets play well uh, when Morris, was out in the third period and in overtime. So I don't know. Well, Jeff made a great
0: point. Jeff made a great point. I mean, when you look at this season, the one thing that the Winnipeg Jets have always done is raise their level of play and play their best when they've been missing some of their most important players. So I got to make sure that that happens again tonight and everyone steps up and Uh, tries to help make up for the absence of uh, Morrissey, who's been such an important player for the Jets this year. Kraken, Avalanche. Kraken, our home dog, plus 130. Avs, minus 153. But just back to this Jets game for a minute. Who's going to be the hero tonight? Let's see what the uh, player goals are. I did hit on Kyle Connor. He was plus 175 on Saturday. He's now plus 151 for tonight's game. Mark Shifley, plus 164. Pierre-Luc Dubois, plus 200, or 2-1, to and Nito Niederreiter. Uh, You know, we haven't talked a lot about Niederreiter today, Reem, but, man, um, he's got a knack for big goals, big playoff goals, and that one he scored early in the third period to give the Jets some life and some hope in the building was a huge part of this comeback, and he's going to have the opportunity to do exactly that, playing with Connor and Dubois from the get-go tonight.
1: He's on the top line, so I think that's a pretty good number for him. I mean, Adam Lowry seems to score in every game. Who's it going to be? Where's the Axel number? I don't know. I doubt they would even have him. Listen. They got I Zach, don't think Axel.
0: I, I was trying to see what Stanley's number was. Noted got, playoff <laughs> goal-scoring legend Logan Stanley. Um, two goals the last time he played. And as I say, I wasn't being facetious about that. The one thing Stanley does do well that I think is going to be real important is He finds a way to get pucks through and get pucks on net. And the way a lot of the goals are being scored right now, it is chaos in and around the blue paint. And the better you can do a job of getting those pucks into those areas, um, it'll help you get those chances and opportunities. And Logan Stanley is pretty good when it comes to that. So uh, Wheeler's at plus 310. Lowry's at plus 275. And if you're looking for a few longer shots, I don't mind Neil Pionk at plus 510, to be honest. He's going to be shooting the puck a lot, and we'll be playing a ton. We'll be getting the power play looks as well. Um, Nemetsnikov plus 460 as well. So um, there's points. Do we have the penalty minutes again? Let's see if they have this Dubois number. Oh, okay. yeah. it's, 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 it's now gone from plus 120 to even money uh, for over half of a minute, basically to spend any time in the box. That plus 120 was about as even money as we'll see. Now, I'm not sure maybe he dials it back a little bit for tonight, uh, but the other players, uh, Adam Lowry plus 450 and Dylan DeMello um, plus 200. The uh, the Vegas players they've got for penalty props are Brett Howden, Alec Martinez, and Phil Kessel.
1: Yeah, I don't, I'm sure who the Vegas penalty taker is, but Dubois, sure. I, that's such a weird prop to be betting, but here it is. and like I don't know. Do you like, really want to be betting on Dubois to take a penalty? I have to cheer for him? Like, yes! He uh, hooked Marsh, so in front of the net. That's, you know, plus uh, whatever you had last game. I was game. hoping so- it
0: would be more like he takes two and someone on Vegas takes four because they're pissed off at him. And he yeah, has that's been fair. a pain in the ass. Uh, listen, I- I'd far rather to cash a PLD goal prop at plus 200, so uh, maybe we'll ride with that. I actually do have... A Jets exclusive up over at Cool Bet today. Uh, Ride with Huss. Kyle Connor to score a goal. Neil Pionk to get an assist. Jets to win. Plus 495 over in the Lockshop Partner Parlay section. And Dusty and I do have one tonight. Uh, we've got the over in the Vegas-Winnipeg game. The series, every game has gone over 5.5 so far. So over 5.5 in Vegas-Winnipeg and the Avalanche and the Rangers to win their games tonight. That one is plus 440. Get it now in the exclusive
1: section over at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, Rivo, you're in the seats tonight too, huh? Okay, I'm in the seats, and people want a rant from me, Hustler. People have been asking for it, so.
0: Let me guess. Are you going to play the hits? Are we going to talk about board yes. ads? Yeah, or, of course. Uh,
1: yeah, playing the oh hits. My well, God. it's the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, the best part of being in the seats tonight is not – Going to be among 15,000 Jets fans, not being able to see the game, the whole ice on TV. It's that I won't be watching the game with these stupid board ads that have ramped up for the playoffs. And also, a lot of we didn't even talk about this last week. The playoffs started. And remember, they used to have on the ice Stanley Cup playoffs where you knew it was a big game in the playoffs. They've removed that and it's now an on ice ad and a lot of people very mad online that it does not say Stanley Cup playoffs on the ice and I'm with that. So these these ads board ads in the playoffs are the worst. I'm watching games and you know Sportsnet shows the US feeds for some game for some series TBS and ESPN and here I am sitting there watching the games thinking to myself and I swear I'm the only person who does this. I'm saying are these the ads that TBS or ESPN are actually showing or is Sportsnet overlaying their own Canadian ads as there is a Canadian tire logo on the ice on an ESPN broadcast. So I'm sure I'm the only one who thinks about that, but uh, I'm sick of seeing the official laundry detergent of the NHL in large letters behind the goal, flashing while I'm trying to follow the puck. It's awful.
0: It's HRR, bro. HRR. So you got to get that hockey-related revenue coming in, especially as potentially the rights numbers go down. I saw rest of, read a really interesting article on you know the future of these broadcast rights and uh, but put it this way i'm not sure the nhl i can actually i can guarantee the nhl is not getting the same money that they got from Sportsnet when they got that 12 12 uh, year deal now maybe they can split it up between tsn and Sportsnet and get a similar amount but um the bottom line is there's going to be a reckoning there has been, you know, when it comes to ticket prices, a lot of things in pro sports in general. I think it's coming in television as well. But uh, hey, it's all about tonight. As I said, the bones chain is ready to go. We've got these are the uh, the whiteout towels that uh, you got if you're at the game. Here we go. Nice oh. look. I don't know why is that why that's not looking, but <laughs>
1: it's, it's removing it.
0: I don't know why that doesn't doesn't pick it up, but you get Here, to see sec, a little bit of me? it. I can no, yeah, it, it, it's it's all good. Um, but uh, but yes, believe in bones. Believe in the Jets. They've always come up big when people have thought that they were down and out. And uh, tonight's got to be that night. Get a win. However, however, you have to do it, and then get on that plane and go to Vegas for Game Five, tied at two. Should be a great one. And not, I know tomorrow, Remo is going to be a big, big show. We'll have plenty of reaction from tonight's game four. We'll have Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press join us. And fingers crossed, a rowdy chat room of fired up Jet fans talking about a best of three series heading to Vegas for Thursday
1: night's game five. Yeah, we need we need a game six. Us we can't have this be a five game series. We pick six or seven. Where's the highest odds? Gonna be up to the Jets to win tonight. I think we need. We've been waiting for the Connor Hellebuck game where he steals one. Maybe that's tonight. Um, that's gonna know, be
0: game five. I think tonight
1: it's a full team performance. They just absolutely. Okay, that's get the going. recipe. You know, like yeah. how BXa called the Oilers come back. All oh, right, they need a power play goal and even say, okay, tonight is the full team effort. Everyone steps up. I agree. Road Hellebuck puts the team on his back, and then back to game six. I think so. I think you're right, Huh.
0: I love it. I love it. Lots of positive vibes in the chat. People are fired up folks. Uh, if you're at the game, get there early, bring your best voice. You're going to need it and get ready to get loud for uh three. Who knows? Maybe even more than three hours um, until the job is finished tonight. Um, tomorrow on the program, as I mentioned, a full breakdown. We'll hear from the Winnipeg Jets, the coaches and more. Mike McIntyre will join us as well as more from the Stanley cup playoffs. And, uh, Get a nap in. Do what you got to do because it is a late start. 8.37, I think, is the official puck drop tonight for Jets and Vegas. But things will get going downtown right after work and right up until the opening face-off tonight. Um, if game three was any indication, buckle up because we're going to be in for another wild one. I'm certainly hoping we're talking about a big win tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Shout out to the gang over at CoolBet, by the way. If you do want to get in on those exclusives or any of the other bets and you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST, hook you up with a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $200. Uh, But get your whites out, get your chains or whatever you have. By the way, shout out to Danimal, who made these for us. This was was the infamous one that uh, Vili Hanel was wearing at the skills competition, right, Reem?
1: Yeah, so he told me the story. He was, like, front row at the skills competition, and... Gave one to, I think, PLD, who gave it to Hanala, and then he got the picture. He sent me a picture of Dance and Gabe wearing one too. He says he wears them in the games, and people just want to take pictures, crazy, uh, crazy looks. I mean, you were one at, at the last game, so I'm sure people are fired up to see the bones chain.
0: Yeah, yeah. 316 is going to be rocking tonight. The entire arena will be, uh, I will be, I will be, I've got, I'm going to have my retro reverse heli on and the bones chain won't be able to miss me. Come say hi if you see me there. And other than that, folks, wherever you're watching the game tonight, enjoy it. This is what it's all about, playoff hockey. And uh, as I say, I got a good feeling. I think this team can win this game. I think we can get to 2-2 and then buckle up for what would be a crazy game five, game six in Winnipeg, and potentially a game seven. All the action in the Stanley Cup playoffs starts just after 6 p.m. local time with the Rangers and the Devils. And then just after 8.30, we get it on in downtown Winnipeg at Canada Life Center. Bundle up if you're heading to the White whiteout parties and get ready to bring it as well. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Big thanks to all the sponsors that join us every day. And uh, again, if you haven't already, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and join us every day, 1 o'clock p.m. Central, live on YouTube. And find Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and hit subscribe. Go Jets, go. Get the the whites going. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, to break it all down right here on WST. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go! Home.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com.